This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts... Joe Lanza. X out. Go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I love you. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. After a one-week hiatus, welcome back to your favorite wrestling podcast, the best wrestling podcast on earth. I am the most compelling voice in wrestling media, Joe Lanza. And surprise, surprise, he hasn't done a show since about June of 2017. <laughs> but he's back this week. Rich Krejci graces us with his appearance on the flagship. Krejci, are you healthy enough to get through this show? Are you still hacking up along? Uh, was it my handshake that infected you with the virus? Are you okay? I'm I'm semi okay. I, I I might cough once or twice. I uh, I got my little mute ready to go at any point, but no, for the most part, I'm okay uh, these days. I don't know if it was your handshake or someone's handshake or the belt mutants or something, but this thing has been tough, man. I have never been as sick as long as I've been through this thing. I mean, I am still. When was this many weeks? What three weeks ago at this point? And I still. Have like <laughs> I'm still coughing up mucus uh, here and there, but this is the best I've felt in 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 pretty much since I got back. So uh, yeah, this is uh, I'm ready to go, and I'm I'm excited to talk uh, flagship again. It's been it's been a long time. It's the I famous, missed it. It's the famous mania flu, which uh, many have complained of. As you know, uh, much like our president, I have never had the flu. Um, but the mania flu is a thing, and you have been infected by it. I think everyone gets it. The first trip. This was your first trip. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. probably one too many handshakes. Um, I was uh, healthy as an ox. Or is an ox a healthy animal? Um, yeah. I, I, I've heard that adage, but I don't know if like oxes are particularly healthy. Is, is, is it healthy? As, yeah, it is healthy as an ox, but yeah, I don't know why. Like, when our, I picture an ox, I picture a big, smelly beast with flies. Yeah, they like roll around. around. Yeah, they roll around in their shit and there's just flies everywhere. It doesn't look like they'd be that healthy, but I don't know. I guess they're, you know. I, at any rate, muscular I, am, uh, animals? I, <laughs> I think they are muscular. Yeah. Um, hanging out with Paul Bunyan, right? Wasn't that his animal? I don't know any Paul uh, Bunyan fun facts, unfortunately. So, I uh, think his gimmick is the blue ox, right? It's a blue ox, as a matter of fact. I know a little something about Paul Bunyan. Know that. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's lore. Richard, uh, right? yeah, babe, the blue ox. Yeah, you're right. You're on the money. There you go. Congratulations. Blue ox. Paul Bunyan. You know, uh, but I'm healthy as an ox, probably because I'm in top peak physical condition, and um, I have I have yet to contract uh, the mania flu. But uh, but you were taken out of commission. Yeah, it, you like what's your sleep like? Because I think that may have been a big issue too. I didn't uh, I didn't sleep all that much, and that uh, that may have done me in a little. Nah, I listen. I wasn't getting much sleep. I I was waking up eight in the morning to train hop, just in time to see Ethan Page versus MJF. I'm like, <laughs> have a comedy match at uh i was there i was there yeah yeah as i was pacing and cursing i woke up at 8 a.m for this shit 
and uh, you know, listeners are introducing themselves to me as I'm as I'm complaining about waking up early to see MJF and Ethan Page have a shitty comedy match at USA versus the World. Uh, you know, and Brian Pillman Jr. versus Emil Satoshi. And uh, Brian Pillman Jr., not exactly a super worker himself. So uh, could have slept in that day. But no, I was there dutifully right on time. Um, you were at that show too? Yeah, you of say? course. I, yeah, that's, I can't that's... even remember anymore. That was the Handshake show, yes, wasn't it? that was the Handshake show. Yeah. It was so long ago. And, um, you know, I haven't spoken to you since because you haven't done a flagship since like, you know, in months. So I can't, <laughs> I can't even remember what, what shows you went to. I do know that you got media comps to impact and then left me out to dry. I do remember that. Um, oh, then there God. was, uh, you put me in a terrible position here. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> don't worry. I've already buried you behind the paywall. Okay, good. On, Thank you. I'm glad. Yeah. On the TV review shows, you don't listen to for that. Right. We were, but, we were uh, five feet away from each other and just, I refused to acknowledge you. Cause, uh, I wanted it to be, I wanted the U S versus the world thing to be natural. You know what I mean? It wouldn't have been the same if, I listen, Rich. You're so lost. I already told everybody. Else. <laughs> okay, all right. I didn't know if you did. <laughs> it's it's everyone knows that was a work. They okay, all know. Okay, that, okay, phew. They all know we met the night before at Impact. Um, you know, you you getting in, you know, with your fancy media pass around your neck. I got it right here. I see. I'm wearing it right now, Joe. Just to let you know. So. Yeah. So everyone knows it's a work. Try to keep up. Uh, but but yeah, but uh, Rich is all healthy now. And we've got a shit ton of stuff to catch up on. By the way, too, two great shows for Rich to take off following up WrestleMania weekend. I know. Like we didn't have anything to talk Dude, about. I there. tried. I, I the amount of the amount of meds that I had in my body. I, I think I really like da- damaged myself one of those days too because I tried everything on that Thursday to get ready to do it. I even told you on Friday I was like, let me try for Friday, and like I couldn't talk for two seconds without coughing. There, there was a point where I just, it would have been the worst show ever. It would have been the most disgusting show that we've ever done. It was just me hacking along, me all stuffed up, blowing my nose. Like it would have just been awful, but I tried. I really did. Cause I hate missing that post-mania show. And I wanted to talk WrestleMania too, actually. I really, really did. But uh, yeah, sorry, but it did, it did big numbers without me. So the, the real draw was there. And that's all that matters. It did do some big numbers. I mean, it was a uh, two week numbers. But, uh, you know, still big numbers nonetheless. And this week we've got, let's see, we've got uh, on tap a little WWE, the bloodbath they suffered uh, earlier today with the quarterly call and the stock price. So we got to get into that a little bit. Uh, we've had some complaints, Rich, from people demanding that we talk some AEW because we haven't talked AEW in probably months. Right. We had a guy uh, that wanted us to fantasy book the next five years of AEW on the show. So we will do that. Um, which should be fantastic radio as Joe gets the pencil out. Uh, we start fantasy book and I'm, I'm going to run it in EWR as well. And we'll see how, uh, how things go for the well, uh, next. If Rich next starts fantasy booking, <laughs> if he starts fantasy booking, I got a lot of baseball I can watch. I'll be checking out of this one, but, uh, we will do a bit of an AEW yes. catch up. And then we've got some new Japan to talk about. They have this weird tour where there's like 19 mid-sized shows and, and no major show. And we're in the middle of that. So we'll talk some new Japan. We've got some NWA, Rich, a little Ice Cube, a little Easy E. Oh, MC a little- Ren, little MC Ren. You always forget, everybody always forgets MC Ren, but he's there. Everyone does, yeah, because he went on to do nothing. Yes, the other- <laughs> correct. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and the others all became very famous. <laughs> that might be true, okay. <laughs> so, you know, a little NWA, we got a little Beyond Wrestling. Have we ever talked about Beyond Wrestling? 
on the floor. Uh, you know, if if we have it, it, it's been years and it's been in passing, and it's probably for very different reasons. It was probably the because that's where they did the Chris Dickinson Kimberly thing all those years ago. Remember, we talked about that a lot, and maybe probably got in trouble uh, for that. That may I'm sure we talked about it in passing a few other times here and there, but it has been quite a while. But uh, yeah, we watched the uh, the most recent uh, Uncharted territory. They're uh, I their think weekly that show. And, we're excited. And all- that and also when they, uh, you know, in conjunction with some stuff in Saudi Arabia. So I don't think we ever talked ah, about right. Beyond I don't think we've ever positively talked about Beyond Wrestling, but that changes today. All right? Maybe that today. Maybe today. today. Yeah. And then uh, there's an Impact pay per view this weekend. And um, no, there's not. We'll You're wrong. That. That's well, not. That's listen, not. I, I, <laughs> that's a, that's I impossible. Pro- I promise you, sir. That's not true. As a man who infrequently covers Impact Wrestling behind the paywall. <laughs> But it records. Uh, What's the deal with the DVR these days on uh, on Impact? Is it still coming up in hour increments or like? I'm fascinated by up, this. I love it. What a great it, channel that it's on too. Yeah, pursuit. It comes up in half hour increments. Oh my god! So unless you set your DVR to record each individual half hour, you're only going to get the first half. Like if you set the season pass, yeah, you're getting the first thirty minutes of Impact every week, and that's it. <laughs> So, I got tired of. Now, does it look like it's in thirty? Is it in thirty minute blocks? Yes. Like on the guide too? Like on the guide, it says Impact Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Impact Wrestling. Correct. Oh God! Why? So, so what was happening was, I would check at some point during the week to see whether it was a two hour block or four thirty minute blocks, and then if it was four thirty minute blocks, I would manually hit record on each four thirty minute God. block. But then a couple of weeks, like I'm a busy man, so I'd forget. Right. That's the point of the DVR. So you could forget and then just watch it later. So I'd forget and then I'd go to watch. I'd rub my hands together. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to watch a little Impact Wrestling. I'm going to take some notes, get ready to do some work. And I'd have 30 minutes of show. And this happened several weeks in a row. So I threw my hands. I got frustrated. And I said, if Pursuit doesn't care, and I tweeted at them several times, if Pursuit doesn't care and if Impact doesn't care, then why does Joe Lanza care? So I just waved my hands. I hand waved Impact, and I and I uh, and I no longer do it on the uh, TV reviews. I did it this past week because something because ROH, of course, it's baseball season. So now ROH is getting preempted. Oh, by, I forgot about the Red yeah. Sox baseball for you. Yeah. <laughs> so there's Red Sox baseball games preempting ROH now. So uh, you know we did talk about Impact behind the pay. So listen, the Monday TV reviews. We could plug the Patreon now. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so uh, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. Um, three tiers to fit every budget $1, $2, $5. I just put up the Thursday TV reviews. That is available on all pricing tiers. Uh, that show only, if you like what you that means you can listen for a, just a dollar. You can try for a dollar. If you like what you hear, upgrade to the $5 tier. Never miss a TV review and never miss anything that we do as long as you're subscribed for $5. But you can try it. Today, this week, for $1 and listen to the Thursday TV reviews. Now, the Monday TV reviews, I don't know what's going on with that. I got preempted ROH. I got Impact, which can't get their shit straight. And I still and the MLW Fusion changed their schedule. They're putting up their shows on Mondays now. Right, I know. I'm I'm kind of pissed about that too because I I kind of got into a little flow of watching it on you know either Friday or I watch it on the weekend or whatever. Now that's kind of blown. So I don't. Yeah, it's it, Mondays. Eesh, I, I don't love it. But they they did say I don't know if you followed them on Twitter, but they were saying that. Uh, they might be ditching it, uh, YouTube in general, like completely. Yes. So uh, that that might be a thing of the past of them being released on YouTube. So maybe it'll move to a different day or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's uh, a lot of turmoil going on in terms of the distribution of uh, MLW. 
So the Monday TV reviews are up in the air because I just <laughs> might, not have any, yeah. I might not have anything to review anymore. Um, Monday so, Night Raw, Joe. <laughs> I think that's the only choice. That wouldn't even work because I couldn't do it till Tuesday. Oh, that's right, right, right. I see. That's why right. the MLW thing sucks too because it's Mondays now. So uh, by the time people listen to the Monday reviews, there's a new MLW that they've probably watched already. So it's it's just a complete mess. So I don't know what's going on with the Monday TV reviews. If I if I if I punt them, I'll do some other content on Mondays because I still have that block of time freed up to do something for the paying subscribers. But anyway. Uh, Rich, I think we should start with the big story of the day as we record this on a Thursday, and that would be the WWE quarterly report, uh, which happened a few hours ago as we record, and then the absolute bloodbath that occurred with the stock as a result. Um, Where do we even start? I mean, there is so much to unpack with these uh, quarterly results. None of them are good. No, I, I can tell you right now, as of as of the recording of of right now when we're talking, uh, the stock price is eighty five thirty eight. At uh, that's a fall of thirteen point three five percent today alone. Yeah. So at the close of the market, they were down thirteen percent. Yeah. Um, and then there's after market trading and all that, but at the close of the market, we're talking a thirteen percent drop, which actually dropped a little <laughs> since we first made our notes. It was only an eleven yeah, percent. I know that's why I wanted to update it because I have eleven here, but yeah, it's. 2% more down. Uh, one thing I will say, one way that we, we, we can say to start, uh, make sure you're following Brandon Thurston uh, at WrestleNomics. He's doing more an about incredible job. Later, yes, this is a Brandon heavy podcast this week, but uh, yes. make sure for sure that you're following him because he does a much better job. Than, we're, we're boobs that are just going to read a bunch of facts to you. He will actually analyze those facts and tell you the things and get history and have some pretty graphs and all that sort of stuff. And also, I know he's going to do a WrestleNomics radio sometime in the next few days as well, and that will be, of course, on this very uh, Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, so you can listen a new episode of WrestleNomics Radio with Brandon Howard. It'll give you all the details that you need, everything that you need to know about the Q1 in much more detail than we're going to give you because we're just going to kind of read off facts and laugh about some numbers here. So, but uh, if you want real analysts, you know, real analyst talk, uh, you're going to get that from Brandon at WrestleNomics on Twitter and also the WrestleNomics Radio uh, on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. So, I just want to point that out before you know, this is not the only place to go uh, for Q1 discussions. No, um, I think the big news to lead off with is. Um... You know, one thing a lot of people always say about WWE is no matter how bad things get, no matter how much that ratings don't matter, which is a complete nonsensical thing to say that only stupid people say, uh, no matter how bad uh, the on-screen product is, no matter how many people are subscribed to the network, no matter how many people uh, are not going to house shows anymore, they make money hand over fist. Nothing matters, Rich. Except this quarter. <laughs> I love that. We, the best part about that is we literally got a tweet. I tweeted out that the company lost money this quarter, and a reply was, oh, they still make money hand over fist. I'm like, no, no, the tweet you're replying to is the opposite of making money. When you lose no. money, you're not making money. You're losing money. No, dopey. They literally <laughs> lost money this quarter. Look at what you're replying to. <laughs> they were in the red for the first quarter. Now, listen. When the TV deals kick in, they're not going to lose money any quarter. Oh no, and they're not going to lose it in Q2 either because they're going to get that 50 million dollar Saudi money. So I mean this is this is it, yes. it, it's a rare quarter, but it it this I think the biggest thing about the money loss to me is like you look at it big picture sweat. Take away Saudi deal, take away the those are parts of their business and and, and whatnot, but it's like there's underlying facts and underlying figures here that are like, "Oh boy, this is this is not a super super healthy company right now." There's it's not a company that like there's things that are looking downward. There's arrows that are pointing down 
despite the fact that next quarter they're going to get a $50 million injection. A few quarters away from here, now they're going to get a billion-dollar injection of money. You know what I mean? Like, there's obviously going to be stuff that's going to happen in the next few quarters. They're going to make them in the plus, but still, they're, they're, it's worth talking about this this quarter uh, in particular. And I, and I think a lot of it, too, uh, and we've been doing a little bit on Twitter every single week, is the viewership numbers, too, in relation to this being the post-WrestleMania season is like okay here we go this is when things should start kind of firing up a little bit the superstar shakeup wrestlemania is done and, and that hasn't really been addressed too but we'll we'll get to those here in a sec but let's let's get more of these q1 numbers can we talk about saudi for a second yeah let's go okay because obviously the saudi deal brings in an enormous influx of cash right right brandon and- estimates they don't say and they won't answer and they don't talk about it uh they estimate fit, uh, brandon could kind of look at the numbers and there's this other category that they don't really talk about that seems to fluctuate 50 million dollars when they do go to saudi arabia and then it's down 50 million dollars when they don't go to saudi arabia so from that you can essentially say every time they go to saudi arabia they essentially make 50 million dollars Inch- two interesting things on saudi arabia number one whenever it came up on the call they would not talk about it at all would they you? Dodged, <laughs> I wouldn't. They dodged any and all Saudi Arabia questions to the point, at one point, Barrio straight up said, we're not talking about that, end quote. <laughs> okay? But here's the thing. Which feels like a weird way to answer a question in, in an investor call, but all right. They don't <laughs> want to fucking deal with it. They are holding their nose and taking the money. But here's the thing I want to ask you about the Saudi deal. There's negative effects to the Saudi deal, too. Absolutely. Let me read you this. This was from uh, the Observer, last week's Wrestling Observer newsletter. Okay, I'm going to read you this, Rich. It's a bit lengthy, but let me get through this. And uh, I quote, speaking of Saudi Arabia, this is a stat that has come through in a unique way. Someone on our message board mentioned being turned off WWE because them going to Saudi Arabia the second time and that a lot of people were and wondering that's part of the reason for the decline in ratings. End quote. This is going to be a little weird when I read this, but this is how Dave types. I right, Dave. I, I know. Trust. If anybody has listened to the death of WCW things on, uh, you know, that store on yeah. on the the Patreon, you know that re- trying to read a Dave Meltzer paragraph is hell because he just he thinks that commas are just oh, you can use twenty six commas in a sentence and you can't, Dave. You cannot do that. So he just jumps around. So yes, yeah. Joe is not an idiot here. He's just trying to read Dave Meltzer writing, which is and very very missing, difficult. And there's yeah. words missing and stuff, but here's <laughs> right, it's very difficult. So. It's I'm not gonna Joe, con- it's Dave. I'm going to continue, but the idea is, is the Saudi deal turning people off from the company is the right. point. Okay, so I'm going to keep going. Quote, so my thought was the only way to know is to compare the year-to-year drop pre-Saudi show and post. For the six months prior to the second Saudi show, the year-to-year drop-off of Raw was 9.2%. Since then, the second Saudi show, the average weekly drop is 19.8%. Also keep in mind there is an artificial actual decline that year that should make this year look better because 2018 was the Winter Olympics year in the first quarter. Either the product has gotten far worse to a marked degree since November, which is not the case, or there are external forces at work. This would seem to indicate there could be something to this. However, declines are far greater under the age of 35 than over, which one would think would be those 18 to 49s making the moral decisions mm-hmm. as those over 50 who watch wrestling have been doing it for life and aren't going to change. And teenagers and kids as a general rule, aren't going to make moral decisions about wrestling. End quote. Point here, Rich, there's a lot to unpack. Number one, after the second Saudi show, the year to year drop off of raw increased 10% over 10%. 
from 9.2%, which was horrible, to a horrendous 19.8% decline year over year since the second Saudi show. Rich, that points to people being very turned off by the Saudi deal after that second Saudi show and turning out in droves. Because there's really no other reason why people would have turned out at those huge numbers. Right. And as Dave points out, it's probably in the demo that matters. It's probably those 18 to 49s. Old people habit watch. And kids aren't aware of this, nor do they care. So he makes an excellent point there. Number two, WWE mysteriously stopped reporting the network subscriber numbers right around the time of the Saudi show. Why else would they do that if the, if the, if the network numbers hadn't dropped? Because of the Saudi show. There's no other reason to stop reporting the network numbers. I think they gave some, on the last quarterly call, some lame excuse. Ah, we don't talk about that anymore. That's stabilized. You know, they blew right. it. They, they kind of said, oh, the numbers have been so, so stable that there's no real point in, in, in talking about it. But we're going to talk about hours of content sort of uh, consumed is now their, 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 their go-to is. Well, you know, who cares about subscriptions? We 77 million hours of content were subscribed, you know, were, were watched or whatever. That's kind of been their, their go-to. But yeah, but carry on. Like, I do have a little bit of a rebuttal, but, but yeah, finish, finish uh, your part first. Public, publicly traded companies do not hide good news no. on their quarterly calls. If the, if, if the network numbers were up, they would have talked about them. The network numbers, anyone with a brain, Okay, and people actually argue this with, uh, with us about this on Twitter. Anyone with a fucking brain in their head, they hit those numbers because they were down. And they didn't want people to draw that line to people being turned off by the Saudi show. Anecdotally, we know a ton of people who have completely hand-waved the company because of Saudi Arabia. I myself disregarded it. And I disregarded it because I happen to know and be friends with a ton of extreme left-leaning people the exact kind of people who would disregard WWE or any other company uh, who continue to do business with Saudi Arabia. Right, absolutely. It, it, it became now, yeah, it may no, be a ahead. bigger problem than just the extreme leftists. Go ahead. Right, right. And and I think that is a thing because this is and, and, and especially with the the second Saudi show. The first Saudi show was just kind of like ha ha ha, you know, how silly they're going to Saudi Arabia. It's weird. We everybody kind of watched that one and sort of laughed about it and was like, whatever. But obviously with the second Saudi show, there was a whole other, you know, follow wax with, with with the with the journalists with the lying with the you know there was there was like actual legit like all around tensions between countries and 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 peoples and united nations and, and saudi arabia like saudi arabia was was public enemy number one in the world right now and WWE just kind of said yeah i know that everybody else is pulling out but man we really 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 need that 50 million dollars in cash so fuck it we're gonna go and, and they and they did and and that one really i think well beyond just like and 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 this you know i remember having discussions with people about that too well beyond just hey WWE's kind of scuzzy or the wrestling business is kind of scuzzy this was like actually to many people morally like oh my god this company you know fuck this company fuck the, anybody that is involved like it was that thing because I, I and i get it this was this was a whole nother level of just complete I, I don't even know how to describe it but just essentially turning your nose to the entire rest of the world going oh my god no don't go there. Like, don't even support them. Don't help them. And WWE just saying, "Well, we need fifty million dollars in cash, so we're going to go anyway." And that is, it, it, it was a, dip. it was kind of, in a lot of ways, what felt like the moral sort of the before and after. Like, you know what I mean? Like after that point, it is so much different now. Looking at this company and and and, and talking about this company and and discussing this company and just knowing that all that happened and they still decided that that $50 million was worth going over there and, and, and supporting Saudi Arabia and doing all that they did with it. So uh, it, well, it, it's and, and bizarre. The, well, 
and the murder of the journalist. <laughs> I mean, that's that well, was that's, no, and I mentioned that too. Like that that yeah, was yeah, yeah. that became like the you're right. still just gonna like go <laughs> like you're really still yeah. gonna go and and they did and like you know I mean John Oliver covered it like a bunch of places covered that like somebody was still just gonna go because they wanted fifty million dollars and it, it's and that became a real turning point for a lot of people I think and and, and rightfully so. And by the way, the progressive KSA government just murdered thirty more people. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. thirty-seven, I think was the yeah. yeah. Um, but but yeah. So here's the thing. So okay, but women can drive thing. now. Sometimes, <laughs> if they're not being murdered, they can drive. Yeah, hey. yeah. occasionally. Michael told me. Yeah, Michael told yeah. me. Michael told me that sometimes they drive. So that's cool. Um, but aside from okay, the company holds their nose and takes the money. The investors can say, ah, you know. Uh, whatever we're gonna you know it'll help the fucking dividend but now we're reaching a point where we've got some evidence that the saudi deal is working negatively in some ways when it comes to business with uh both the uh television ratings and with potentially the network numbers which clearly the company feared was the case right 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 so it's just interesting that it's not all positive even from a strict business standpoint the saudi deal is not a hundred percent complete win anymore. right 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 i i think one thing though with, with, with dave's argument here and this is where i kind of take a little bit of of a disagreement with it or a little bit of of, of issue is i think he's he's only saying that the only reason that the, the, the only possible scenario that people would stop watching or people would do this or people would do that, or they would do this is because of the Saudi show, because the Saudi show was around this time period. And I, I think there might be other factors playing into that as well. That is not just the Saudi show. Like I think Dave is ignoring, obviously the fall comes, the NFL starts ramping up, NBA starts ramping up, the Christmas season starts ramping up and it, you know, and and he argued. And I listened to Observer Radio, and he argued that, oh, well, they haven't been any worse, you know, this last half of year of the year than they were a year ago or whatnot. And and I don't totally agree with that because I think the TV has gotten really, really, really bad, <laughs> like so bad they had to like publicly address how bad it is and how much they were going to change things. And obviously, things didn't change or whatever. But I don't totally agree with Dave that like, oh, the TV's been bad for years and it, it's not any worse than it was ever before. I think it has gotten a lot worse the last half of the year, and and it might be a thing where where little by little it might. I, it's probably a combination. It's probably a combination of the Saudi show probably playing a factor in it. And I think there is a lot of people too that maybe have just finally said, you know what? I'm done. This shit sucks. It doesn't make any sense. Nothing matters. I'm kind of done. And I think, I really do think the last half of, of, of 2018 was so much worse than it's been for any year prior to that. Any, any, any year of recent vintage, I should say prior to that. So I could also buy that people are, backing out and canceling subscriptions and and not watching it anymore and not watching the TV and not watching raw or whatnot because it's bad as much as they're also not watching because of the Saudi thing. But, but I, I think it's a little bit of a and a little bit of B. I think Dave is, is maybe, maybe describing a little bit too much credit to the Saudi show and not enough credit to just how bad the TV has been and how nonsensical it's been. Well, keeping along those lines, as we move on to the next point, I don't think the WrestleMania stories worked. And I think that um, there's ample evidence to point to that. That meaning Becky, that meaning Kofi, that meaning Seth primarily. Those are the ones that would matter, right? Um, you know, to varying degrees. I would think Seth Brock, the least of the three, it uh, wasn't pushed as hard as the others. You want to pin some blame on Triple H Batista and say that that didn't connect either. That's fine because you look at this and WWE Network subscriptions were down 6% this year, day after Mania compared to last year. So, uh, listen, less people were interested in WrestleMania this year than they were last year. And not only that, Rich, they were less interested in the follow-up. We tweeted relentlessly 
the past few weeks, the past three weeks, the Raw after WrestleMania, the Superstar Shake-Up the week after, both in theory should be shows that do well, both tanked tremendously. And we're not going to get into the numbers. Um, It's old news at this point. But both of those Raws were in the fucking shitter, okay? And this past week, uh, the Raw number declined sharply throughout the show into the third hour uh, in the key demos as well. The bottom line is, and I know some people may not want to hear this, I don't think Becky and Kofi are connected. And if you want to tell me Kofi's on SmackDown, that's fine. But they false advertised a Kofi Kingston-Seth Rollins title-for-title match the Raw 24 hours after WrestleMania, and Rich, nobody cared. Right. They they wanted that thing to last until the third hour. You're getting this match. This match is happening. Michael Cole telling you, oh, my God, we're going to see this match. We're going to see this match. We're going to see. And I like all the arguments. Well, they never said that you were going to see it. Or, oh, why would you believe that you were going to see it? Well, yes, smart fans know. But you're, you're... your casual fans, your your Joe TV who just turns on his TV and goes, holy shit, and doesn't know that that, that he's going to get screwed or whatever, that they're going to, they were telling you, you are going to get this in the third hour, and people didn't hang around. People people bailed. And as for uh, Kofi, SmackDown did its lowest number since, uh, what was it, February this past week. Right. And it was built around Kofi Kingston. So now, if you don't want to pin it on Kofi Kingston and Becky Lynch, and you want to pin it on, if you want to come at me with the argument, they can't get anyone over. That's probably going to be my argument. Yeah, that's probably my argument. But I won't argue with you. I don't have a problem with that taking that angle either. Here's what I know. The WWE audience couldn't give a shit about Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, or Kofi Kingston right now because they continue to siphon viewers with the shows built around those three people coming off feel-good wins at WrestleMania. Three, for the most part, well-built stories for their audience. We won't get into the, you know, the we. this isn't the show. This isn't the topic to get into the nuts and bolts of the builds. The point here is three feel-good wins at WrestleMania for three baby faces, and the ratings have done nothing but tank and actually get worse by, uh, by uh, if you go by percentages, with those three on top. So I know that they're not connecting. I don't know that anyone would, though. So what do you have to say about that? No, and that's probably going to be my argument as well, is that like I, it might be the damage has been done to such a degree that it might it, it's going to take time. You know what I mean? Like it, it's going to take time of, of building up trust again, of people buying in. Okay, I can, I can start watching now because I love this Becky story, but I don't trust that they're going to do it right or that they're not going to have her lose or that it's going to be kind of silly or whatnot. I am going to you know invest my time because I know now that they're going to go through with this and they're going to tell the story I want to tell or whatnot. Like that, that's... That's tough. Like I and I and maybe I get that there's that idea that like, hey, people are gonna so maybe slowly but surely kind of regain trust and come back. But to me, the, the barrier of entry, and this is what I've talked about a lot with people as well in terms of these raw ratings and stuff, is that the, the barrier of entry into coming into WWE these days to of, of being a new fan and stumbling upon raw and watching it and becoming a big fan is so goddamn difficult. It is it is nuts. Like you come in and the lexicon doesn't make any goddamn sense. They're calling everybody these fucking nicknames that make no reasonable like it, it, it's just madness. There's camera cuts all the time. There's a bunch of weird shit happening. There's just it's it's nuts. And oh yeah, it's also three hours. And oh yeah, you're gonna watch your favorites get just beaten down and beaten down and beaten down and beaten down. But eventually they're gonna win. When we don't know, but they're just gonna keep getting beaten down and there's heat and there's heat and there's, it's just like to me, like the idea of of, of me being a, a you know a 12 year old or whatever and stumbling upon raw and being like, whoa, holy shit, what is this? Like it, I just have such a tough time understanding how anybody could be in that level and really start watching and really become a new fan because of this. So I think that's a huge barrier of entry. And I think the, the, the damage has been done too of, of just the fans that have been there forever. 
are not coming back because Becky's there and Kofi's there. I think they might be tweeting about it. They might be watching a GIF. They might be watching a YouTube video, but I don't think that they're saying, all right, let me sit down on my couch, turn on Raw, and 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 be entertained because Becky Lynch is now the champion. Like they're just they're not doing it. We have the numbers that that prove that the new fans aren't coming and old fans aren't coming back. They're not just they're not and they're leaving and they're, they're bouncing. Yeah. Exactly. Right. They're not it's not that new fan the old fans aren't coming back. They're they're leaving. Well, and, and that's we. Ha- I hate to have to do this because I like the Becky story and I like Becky and I like her wrestling and I like the story and I like her and I like all the, all this sort of stuff. But it was it was a point even when her rise was coming. There was people. Everybody was getting on a Brian Alvarez and people were getting on Dave Meltzer every time that they would bring it up. But she wasn't really moving ratings even even in the rise to it. And and there's this idea that like you know oh my god she's the next Stone Cold and it's like I mean yeah it's a good story and she's doing a good job of it but. You know, the Stone Cold was Stone Cold because a bunch of people fucking watched him to do his thing. Like, you know, people turn, you know, fans that weren't watching wrestling started watching wrestling because of him. People aren't doing that for Becky Lynch. They here's my been, thing with that, and though. They're, and they're not watching. Yeah, go ahead. But here's my counter to that. Okay. She was clearly getting crowd reactions louder than anyone else in the Oh, company. for sure. No, no, no doubt. And to me, that's your first indicator that somebody has the potential to get hot. It doesn't always mean they're going to get hot. There was a point in time where Zack Ryder was getting incredible crowd reactions when he was shooting his own angles on YouTube. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think Zack Ryder ever would have became a star. I do think they didn't do enough to with it, but that's neither here nor there. In Becky's case, I think this was someone who had won over live crowds, and to me, those were planted seeds that you could have a superstar in your hands. I think they booked her into oblivion. And I think putting Charlotte in that match ultimately became a mistake. 100% agree, yeah. And I think that the match itself not being very good also hurt her. So I think it was a combination of factors. Um, uh, The ones I just, they booked her into oblivion. They shouldn't have put Charlotte in the match. It should have been Becky's 100% spotlight over uh, Rousey. And I think the match being bad didn't help. So I think that's what happened with Becky. They booked her into oblivion. And unfortunately, Rich, we've seen this with a lot of different people in that company. I don't think you can rebottle that. I think lightning strikes once in a lot of cases. And I think Becky might, she might be what she is. And and that's unfortunate. In the case of Kofi, it's kind of what we suspected before um, in in the build when we realized, okay, they have something here. He's got to win the title. But do we have a Ron Garvin situation on our hands? Is the story of him getting there the end of the story in the fans' eyes? In other words, I think people, I don't think, I know that people very badly wanted to see him win that title. I'm not so sure people want to see him hold it. Right, exactly. And, and that, that comes up a lot of times in wrestling history. The, 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 yes, this is not even, no, we, Ron Garvin is a guy we mentioned once or twice as well, but there's many guys that it's like the chase is so awesome and and, and you invest so much in it. But once a guy has a title, you're like, ah, yeah, I don't know, he's not really as good in, you know, in, in this role as he is in, in, in the chase. And and that might be what's going on right now too with Kofi. We'll have to see uh, how it's going to go. I think this Kevin Owens feud is, is, is interesting enough uh, for me to check out, but yeah, it, it, there's a there's a real good chance that that he is that sort of guy where it's like the chase and, was so and, fun to watch, but maybe him being the champion isn't isn't as much. And let's not forget, Kevin Owens was the first choice to face right. Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, so we know that there's internal pressure on these numbers. We know that inside the company, it, it's not panic mode yet, but it's we're paying attention and we have to figure out a way to reverse this mode. No matter how many, no matter how many people on Twitter deny that, the company knows that there's a problem here. Okay, so how much of a leash do you give a Kofi Kingston when the first choice is the guy feuding with him right now? 
Um, albeit as a heel now. They just turned Kevin Owens heel. He was going to go into that match with Daniel Bryan as a babyface. Was he going to win? I don't know. But it's, it's okay. And let me play devil's advocate this way with you. Do you think it's too soon to make a judgment on Kofi, Becky, or Seth to a lesser degree? But listen, Seth, these Raws are built around Seth, and they are tanking tremendously. And in my opinion, unlike the other two where I think they had a fighting chance, I don't see Seth as a top-line star and never did. I don't think Seth is a big-time money player. Where do you stand on Seth? As Where do you stand on that point? Should we debate that, or do you kind of agree? No, I, I agree to an extent, but I also think that I think all three of those deserve a little bit of leash because the way that WWE has booked people into absolute fucking oblivion and the way they've booked stars as of late. And, and they're, they're start, we talked about it years and years ago that the star making machine felt like it was broken. And then in prior, in, in, in more recent years, it is broken, man. They, they just do not know what to do with anybody. They, they just can't build organic stars. They can't build sustainable star. Like guys just don't last guys. As you said, like the Becky thing, you know, you, she gets up, she rises and then they just kind of fuck around with it a little bit and they just kind of screw it up and it doesn't really work. Braun Strowman is a another one you talked about the roman train all those years ago where people would just get derailed and and just run off the tracks because you had to get the roman train going and all that sort of stuff and we see it even with recently with like a drew mcintyre type who had some momentum and then was gone a dean ambrose type who was gone and whatnot so to me like if if you really want to say okay look we need to we we don't have brock for right now rousey's gone a lot of the big time people are gone and we need we need so badly to create these next new stars we need so badly for these people to click that i feel you got to give them a little bit more of a leash because if you just pull the rug out from them again, you're back where you were again and you still don't have any stars. So I think like to me, I, I want, you, you know, I understand it's not my company. <laughs> it's real easy for me to say, yeah, fuck it. Just keep doing this and see what happens. And if you keep losing, ah, whatever, keep going, keep going, keep going. Maybe it'll click. It's, it's easy for me to say that, it, you know, from this role and, you know, sitting in the chair, whatnot. But to me, I think all three of them deserve a little bit more of a leash. And, and I think even a Seth Rollins type, who I agree with you, is of the three, probably the least to me, the potential to be a megastar, but to me still, I, 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 I want them to try as hard as they can with those guys. And as long as they can with all three of them, because I do think y- you have to prove to yourself that you can still make these people. You have to prove that you can still get these guys because if these guys fail, who's even next in line, you, you know what I mean? Like what's even the next group of people that are coming up? They've done such damage <laughs> to their star making machine and such damage to the upper parts of their card that it's like, to me, I, I don't even I don't even know what you do if you tell Seth Rollins if if you pull the plug on the Seth Rollins thing. What direction do you go in right now on Raw? You know, like where do you go? That's the problem. The problem is they have nowhere to turn. Really, that's it. Yeah. So it's like you kind of have to do the Seth thing. You kind of have to just say fuck it. Let's see what happens. Let's go with it for two three months and 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 see what happens. If by the summer things aren't clicking, yeah, you move on and you try different things. But you know they're in a position right now that like you look look at that raw roster where would you go if you decided this monday you know what the set thing's not working we're pulling the plug we're going to x who's x well this is why vince mcmahon constantly throws more money at brock lesnar to stop the bleeding right because he doesn't have any other stars and it's funny we haven't even brought up roman reigns because it's like they're already booing him again. Yeah, he's already just a dude on the roster. Just a guy. And, and, and I'll be honest with you. It was nothing I was going to say in real time because it was opening up a can of where you don't want to. Here's what I, I was never going to say it in real time, but I really thought the unfortunate health situation would turn it around for him for good. I really thought that would finally be the thing to get him over. You can't say that the day after he's diagnosed. Of course not. No. But you can say it today. I thought to myself, you know what? This is it because now no one will ever boo him again. And he's a feel good story if he comes back. 
and everyone will rally around him. And this is going to get this guy over. You know, if he if he bounces back and comes back, which he did, this is finally going to get him. And they're booing him already, Rich. I mean, he had a little grace period there where they weren't booing him. Maybe they weren't all cheering him. You know, he wasn't getting monstrous ovations. The WrestleMania match was a fucking dud that no one cared about. It was a bad match. But now they're just booing oh, him again. By the way, what a pile of shit that match was. I know you and I didn't have a chance to talk about it. God, that was horrible. What a absolute steaming I pile of that shit that the, match was. And I, and I thought that was the dark horse match of the night. Oh, my I had God. A, I had high hopes for it. And it was a lousy, boring, shitty match. It was a shitty Raw guys. match. I was I, w- I would have been bored if that was the third hour of Raw. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, let alone, yeah. God damn, what a and no one cared. Crap. Yeah. Now I know it was late in the show when they didn't care about anything, but no one cared. And it's like, to me, they're booing Roman again. And if he was this transformative star, let me t- let me ask you. A question. And I know people hate when I do this, but this is how they this is what they want him to be. If the Rock came out in that spot, does he get no reaction? If Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out in that spot, does he get no reaction? If John Cena comes out in that spot, does he get no reaction? You know, so it's like, you know, that's the standard they hold Roman to, not me. So he comes out in that spot and gets no reaction and has a shitty match. I don't have any faith in him either. Right. You know, and I think too, you know, now him being put in like, you know, another, you know, Vince McMahon, McMahon, Shane, you know, authority storyline. It's just like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. And that's what I mean. Like, I just think it's hopeless. Like, I don't, I doesn't because they so don't know point, how to listen, tell stories anymore. They so don't your know. point stands. I agree. They don't have anyone to turn to. But here's my deal with, with Seth, Kofi and Becky and why I've already thrown the towel on all three of them. Number one, we now have definitive proof that people were very lukewarm. When it came to plunking money down on all of their builds. Right. Because the network subscriptions were down 6% from well, the year before. Actually, what I think is an even more telling one is, is, is this came up too. So the, the paid number is down 2% year over year. You mentioned that. You know, the, yeah. the worldwide was down that. I think the biggest telling number to me is the free number dropped 26% in last yeah. year. So, okay. So you say that and go, well, the free number dropped. That's because more people are buying the network. Yeah, it makes sense. But we just told you the number's down. The pay. Yeah. So less people are interested in getting in 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 signing up for free to watch, and that to me is the biggest telling thing. That means even your casual, your 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 laps fans, your new fans, they didn't even bother jumping in for WrestleMania to watch that. And people, that to me is huge. That's big. It's huge. People were were just not only were they not interested in paying for those three stories to they want it for free. They didn't want it for free. <laughs> now listen, I would have never. We we did shows leading up to WrestleMania. I would have never thought that. Those forget Seth. His didn't really feel hot. But Becky, Becky and Kobe felt hot as fuck. Those two felt hot. I would have never thought that this number, the free number, would have been down on top of the pay number. And my other point, coming off of those three wins, the ratings have free falled even more dramatically than they were falling before. I'm sorry, Rich. I'm writing them off because all of the signs are bad, and they're bad when you know. If anything, if anything, they could have held people the very next night. And they, teasing unifying the titles with two of the with two of the guys who just won titles, losing viewers throughout the show. I'm sorry, these are horrendous signs. I am convinced that they blew Becky, they blew it with her by overbooking her, and I am convinced that Kofi was a chase guy. We want to see him win it, but we don't care to see him hold it. And I have evidence to back me up. So, um, you know, I I think that's a problem. House shows good transition. House shows down this quarter dramatically. 
a huge percentage. And again, this was the build to WrestleMania. This was the build for these three stories. People aren't going to the house shows anymore. And that is another negative trend. We, you know, we tend to harp on the TV ratings all the time. The house show trend is disturbing. Rich, you've got a theory that they should just drop the fucking things. Mr. Krejci. Hello, Richard. Apparently, Rich is taking a piss break. And uh, I did not talk long enough to stall out Rich's pee. And I just got the message now. So I will continue to stall until Rich puts his headset back on and gives a little cursory, mm-hmm, pretending that he was paying attention the whole time. And then I will let Rich talk about the declining house shows and his theory that we have talked about privately that maybe they just didn't do these things anymore as they continued to decline. I don't know if my stance on that is that drastic. I mean, you know, these, they still brought in $26.2 million for the quarter. Uh, Richard, are you there? I'm there, yes. Okay, so um, you, I did not know you left. I thought we disconnected. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm there, so is sorry. A, there is a long, awkward silence that you could either chop from the show or leave in for posterity since we're talking about it anyway. Uh, but what I was transitioning to was after I continued to bury Kofi, Becky, and Seth was even the house shows. Uh, show mm-hmm. that uh, they they were not connecting in the build as they dropped to a dramatic degree. You are someone who has uh, suggested that maybe they should just stop doing house shows, so, right? Or just a lot less talk house, about shows. house shows a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah, and talk to about me, house. to me, a lot less house shows. I think it makes the most sense in the world uh, for me. But I think one of the things, yeah, with the live events dropping and 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 I don't I don't recall if you and I talked about this on audio or if we just maybe tweeted out about it. And I know that uh, Brandon talked about it. Uh, on Russellnomics Radio, is that uh, the last quarterly call, I want to say the Q4, either the Q3 or the Q4 from last year, I forget exactly which one it was, uh, they were met with a pretty large drop in in, in live event revenues and live event money and, and all that sort of stuff. And and it was brought up by one of the investors. One of the investors said, okay, hey, w- what's going on with this? Or what's kind of going on? Or, or you know, what are you guys going to do about it? And Vince, I, I forget his exact quote. I forget the exact words that he said, but essentially that we have we know about it and we are gonna do we're gonna do something or or we're gonna you know, make changes to the live event experience. We are gonna dramatically alter the live event experience uh, to turn these numbers around and we're gonna I, I, again I forget the exact terminology that he used, but essentially it was that we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna write this ship about these live events. Something is gonna change about it. We're gonna either run less of them or, or people sort of insinuate that maybe it means we're gonna run less of them, we're gonna run them a little bit leaner, we're gonna do we're gonna do something to make sure that these numbers turn around and they're not as bad as they're going to be this next quarter or whatever. The next quarter, you will see this live event numbers change or the next year, you'll see this live event number changes and they're, they haven't. Like, yes, they're still making $26.2 million revenue of $26.2 million in live events. But I know Brandon has done a bunch of, of looking at in terms of the cost of running these shows, both the, the human capital cost of people getting injured, which is, a, we'll get to that in a little bit, because that was actually blamed for some of the, the live event declines. It's like, well, people, so many people are hurt that no one's coming to these shows or whatnot. And it's like, well, th- th- you know, <laughs> that might be a reason why people are hurt is because you keep having all these shows or whatnot. And, you know, it was brought up that obviously Roman Reigns being out, that played a big part in it. But then I think Vince McMahon quoted was like 15 of our big stars were gone throughout this year or whatever, which is. It's horseshit. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there were little injuries here and there, but like, yeah, I don't know that it dramatically changed. But the idea, like, again, that the human capital cost of doing all these live events and doing all these shows and 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 the production values of this and the wrestlers traveling all across the world and 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 buildings and all this sort of stuff. That when you really look at it, live events are not. Yes, the revenue twenty six point two million dollars, but there are a lot of other factors that are playing into this that really make them. At this point, just kind of a money lo- money losing, you know, a, a kind of a loss leader in a lot of ways for this company. But the problem is that it's not it's not leading to any 
positives in, in some ways because another one that we, we should bring up as well uh the merch you know fell tremendously <coughs> sorry about that the, the the merch fell a lot too so like you know again you can make an argument well we're doing a live events and maybe we're not making a ton of money on live events or you know yes the live events are dropping but we're selling a shit ton of merch that's that's the the, the loss leader part is yes the shows themselves maybe aren't making money but the merch is coming out of the door like crazy and people buying it and that sort of stuff or we're we're creating new fans that are now subscribing to the network because of these live events that's not happening the merch is down <laughs> the network subs are down the the live events are down even though you know you know 26.2 down from from 30.8 million dollars i mean that's that's not chump change uh, a, a all there and and yeah again if you look back even a few quarters or even a few a, a year or so ago that live event number has fallen a lot and that that to me really is something that i would look at and, and and vince said he was going to and i guess i don't know that they've done all that much i know uh somebody gathered the numbers here uh, uh john pollock from postwrestling.com did uh, as well uh in the quarter the company ran 90 events compared to 99 uh in 2018 uh but average attendance fell 11 percent from four uh or 5400 per show to 4800 per show it is a steeper decline because this year's quarter featured the royal rumble at chase field compared to the rumble in 2018 that ran a traditional arena at wells fargo arena in philadelphia uh, in 2017, they averaged 6,000 per show, and that includes the Royal Rumble at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. Uh, so that's a better comparison to this year's quarter, uh, is what John says there. So, so I think that's a really good comp there. So we know that this year's Royal Rumble was at Chase Field, big arena, obviously, big big numbers here. Uh, 2017, they were at the Alamo Dome. Year to year, though, we, when we compare these quarters, 6,000 people per show going to house shows. Then this year, that's down to. 4,800. I mean, that's again, that's not, that's not chunk changes. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, uh, 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 the percent wise, maybe that's not a huge precipitous drop, but that's a lot of bodies not coming through those doors. It's a lot of bodies not buying merch. It's a lot of bodies not becoming new fans. It's a lot of bodies not being brought by their friends and, 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 and starting to watch too. I mean, that's a big deal. 4,800. I mean, you're traveling across the country and getting people hurt and doing all this sort of stuff for 4,800 people per live event. Like, I don't know. Is yeah. it worth it? Like I don't, I, I don't know anymore. I really don't. And and like I said, you know, Brandon's done that work on on you know when you factor in a lot of the external factors and, and a lot of the money that goes into running these live events and 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 again, like I really cannot stress again the human capital of these people going out there and having these matches and their bodies breaking down because of this. I don't know if it's worth it anymore. Maybe and you may run one a week. You yeah, know? and maybe if you run less and come to the markets less, you, you draw more when you come because it's a it's 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 you know it, it's it's spaced out more. It's more rare for WWE to come to your town. I don't know. Uh, now, TV ratings we've talked about ad nauseum. Uh, Raw was down fourteen percent for the quarter year year over year. SmackDown was thirteen percent. Both were uh, slightly steeper declines than the USA Network average. But to me, this is the more um, uh, this is the more telling number. Uh, among the top 25 cable outlets, uh, they Raw and SmackDown were down almost triple the rate of the of, of top 25 cable outlets. Uh, that number was 5%. So that's obviously bad. And Barrios kind of basically uh, blew past it because he knows it's very bad. Um, those numbers that all of you idiots on Twitter attempt to defend uh, when we bring them up, uh, George Barrios didn't even attempt to defend. He basically just blew through it and uh, didn't want to talk about it at all because it's indefensible. I mean, the you know three times the rate of all other relevant cable is what these two shows are dropping right now, and um, then you know, it, it, and it is a problem. And again, like Rich noted, they did chalk that some uh, chalk some of that up to performers missing time. Rich, do we both agree that that's absolute bullshit? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you can maybe if you want to say one of our biggest stars, Roman Reigns, missed time, and and that's why they're okay. I, I will. 
almost grant you that, that maybe a few less people went to the shows because Roman Reigns wasn't there. But he quoted 15 of our top stars missed time this year, and that's why nobody went to our shows. Get out of here. Listen, the fact of the matter is, you know, they don't have difference-making stars to begin with uh, that go on the road, uh, with the possible exception of Ronda Rousey that quarter. And I don't know what her house shows did. I don't, I don't know that information off the top of my head. If she even made a difference. But here's the thing. If you had injuries, you got to have people on the bench. That's part of your, that's part of right, the deal. Right. I hate uh, that. I hate, I, in sports, I hate it too. Oh, well, I uh, had a bad year because he was hurt all year. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> fucking put him on the bench or, you know, find another guy. Like I'm not going to, I hate, I hate the, the retroactive. Well, I mean, guys were hurt. So that's why, you know, it's, it's, and, it's and wrestling here's too. <laughs> get ready. Have the next guy ready. You, you and, can build this shit. <laughs> and people are going to hate that I, that I, that I bring this up, but I'm sorry. Facts are facts. New Japan loses people all the time. People jump from New Japan. They've had ex- they've they've had two different exoduses. They've had they've lost major stars, and they always have people on the bench. And their business has continued to grow. Uh, they've had people out due to injury. Um, you know, uh, they've got Tanahashi out on this current tour, and they keep selling out buildings. They've lost Shin- they lost Shinsuke Nakamura, Rich, and the company grew after he left. Now it's Kenny Omega, and the company continues to grow. After he left, so I don't want to hear. It. And this is nonsense, right? And you, you know, you don't even have to stray away from New Japan. Like, look at you know the biggest period in WWE's history. In in what three month period they lost Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, and their business exploded because they had The Rock, Steve Austin, Mankind, and Triple H all ready to go. So to me, blaming injuries, you're you're really you're telling on yourself there a little bit because you don't have people ready to step in and carry the ball, and that's on you. And then again, that again is an indictment of the broken star making machine in the company. So that was absolute bullshit. Smelled like bullshit. Everybody laughed, uh, basically. And anyone that with a clue, uh, was laughing about that. Uh, you know, when they spit that out on the call. So, um, so there you go. Uh, what else we got? Um, again, they wouldn't speak about Saudi Arabia at all. Uh, there's a show rumored for June. And then, uh, there's also potentially a show in November, which came out in a court filing, which was interesting. So two more Saudi shows, which they don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole. Rich, <laughs> this is what they want to do. They want to take the money, quietly run these shows as quietly as they can, and they're not going to – they don't want to talk about them. They don't want to um, – uh, you can forget doing – they're not doing PR for Saudi Arabia anymore because they can't get away with doing that. They just want to take the money and do these shows as quietly as possible. And it's just not going to be possible for them to do that because these shows clearly annoy people. Right. I, I love that uh, Crown Jewel became best in the world and that became like Shane McMahon just won a tournament where we don't know, but he's the best in the world. Don't worry yeah, about it. Don't, <laughs> like, even yeah. it. <laughs> don't even worry where he did it. Crown Jewel never happened. It was a tournament called Best in the World and Shane McMahon won it. Uh, and that is all. So bye. You know, <laughs> is- when the Saudi deal first came to light, I think most people said, hey, look, this is at the end of the day, this is a business. You know, I could see why they would take the money. It's shitty. Well, that's why I said it was kind of funny. That first greatest Royal Rumble was hilarious. You had the random sumo dude out there, and it was just like, you know, the guys on the couches, and we were just like, all right, whatever, dude, make your money, whatever. Who cares? It's it's silly, it's stupid. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't get into business with them, but you are, and whatever. Go make your fifty million dollars. Who cares? Yeah. But now we've reached a point where even hardcore business analysts have now turned and said, hey, look, this money isn't worth it. This is a huge headache. We're seeing some signs of negative business uh, being caused by this. And it's a horrible look 
as uh, the KSA government continues to do heinous things. Mm-hmm. But and they have projections, and they need fifty million dollars. Yes, where they going to, to get to their projections? Yeah, where else? You, where if you can find fifty million dollars lying on the street and give it to Vince McMahon, he'll take it. Exactly. But and, until you yeah. do, he's going to go to Saudi. They've got to meet these projections because absolutely, you just nailed it. And and for that reason, they're going to keep going because they can't replace that fifty million because they can't make a star, and less and less people are watching their TV. And what I'm dying to find out, and which no one has been able to find out, is at what point in that Fox contract, or at what point is Fox going to say, guys, we're getting real close to where we're concerned about what you're bringing to us in the fall. Which leads me to the next point. And, I, and this one, actually, I, I will back the company up with. Uh, on a horrible day where everything was bad news for them, I kind of am behind them on this one. Vince McMahon touted a, quote, whole new beginning at the end of September once they entered their new television contracts and noted the unpresidential promotional opportunities with Fox and NBC Universal. Here's the thing. I truly believe that they are going to kick it up a notch at the time because they have to come out strong. They have to. They're going to make a play for The Rock. They're going to make a play for Brock Lesnar. They're going to do wild shit on on Fox. They're going to do wild shit. Hope that Ronda isn't pregnant yet because they will throw a truckload of money at her. They're going to do everything they possibly – and I'm going to tell you something. I firmly believe those first few weeks of the new TV deal, their ratings are going to increase dramatically. First, you're going to get network bump on Fox number one. Okay, so you're going to get that uh, automatic bump just from being on a network. And I think they are just going to do – they're going to just, at all costs, put together compelling television for the first couple weeks. And a lot of people are going to say, see, this is what we – but listen, eventually that's going to level off. You can't put Dwayne Johnson on TV every week because he's not going to do it. Okay, And, and who knows if they can even get him. I'm just assuming they will get him. I think that's their play. If they're not trying to get Dwayne Johnson for week one on Fox, then I then they're not trying anymore. Okay. But that's the kind of level of thing I think they're going to try to pull up. But that but listen, eventually that's going to then plateau. Where it plateaus is the key. How many of those new viewers do you then keep? Or do they all go away as well? And then are you beating the Fox projections of what they were expecting you to do on Friday. Right, right. And I think one of the things that one of the fallacies that a lot of people do is they'll look at like the Fox numbers now and go, well, WWE is doing better than what Fox is doing right now. But the problem is what, what Fox has in that slot right now, they're not paying a billion dollars to. The reason that they're paying a billion dollars, they want they want Friday nights. The, their idea, Fox's idea is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sports, 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 sports. Thursday night football. Friday night SmackDown. Saturday night college football, Sunday night football. Right. One of those, yeah. you know, one of the, one of the, you know, look at the numbers right now. There's, there's one that's, eh, that's a little bit worse than the other ones that we're talking about there. And that's our So unless they make a, a dramatic drop, a dramatic rise, they're going to stick out like a sore thumb on that Friday when they're looking at Thursday night football, which we know is going to do well, Sunday night football, which yeah, goddamn is going to do incredible. And then Saturday night football, depending on who's there sometimes, you know, hit or miss. Like sometimes those Pac-12 games do really well. Sometimes they don't, it depends a lot on the talents and the teams or whatnot, but still there's going to be this sort of, okay, you guys got to get going here. All right. Like you can't just give a, if WWE comes with the numbers that they have right now, they're going to stick out like a sore thumb on that Friday. And that's the big thing is how long does Fox go? Yeah, this is fine. We don't care. Well, not only that, the wiggle room that that uh, WWE had going into the Fox deal is is quickly dissipating. They're losing that buffer, right? And they don't have Ronda anymore too, because I, you know, for a fact, a hundred percent fact, that there was a big ass banner of Ronda Rousey on there. You know that Fox saw Ronda Rousey. They know her from her UFC, and they said, "Oh, Ronda Rousey, you have Ronda Rousey." And okay, Brock all Lesner, right, and Brock Lesnar too. Yeah, right, right. And, and, <laughs> 
and, and, and the thing about it that everyone always comes back with, well, Fox knew about all this and they still gave him a billion. No, they were not dropping at this at, at this at the same rate when Fox signed the deal. That's not true. Uh, you know, they had Ronda Rousey when they signed the deal. They had Brock Lesnar when they signed the deal. Uh, they didn't have the steep negative business declines when Fox dropped the deal. A lot of this stuff has increased since the deal was signed. And I'm not saying that there's a that the Fox executives are ready to cut and run. But I'm telling you right now, they don't have their feet up on the desk and they're and, and they're not saying, oh, well, this is all fine. This is no problem. Ratings don't matter. Ratings matter. They've always mattered and they always will. It's the lifeblood of the television business. The game has changed a bit, but you can't people who say ratings don't matter, you lose me instantly. It's still all based on viewers. That's how they make their money. You can't tell me it doesn't matter. At some point, it's too low. That's how it works. Shit still gets canceled because it doesn't do enough viewers that doesn't make enough money. At some point, they can lose viewers to the point where it's going to become a problem. And I'm not saying it's there now, but they've lost all of their wiggle room as they continue to decrease 15 to 22%. Right. Things have to go in another direction. Point blank, like things have to go in a different direction soon or else it's going to get real ugly. And and that's that's what a lot of us are saying. It's like not that this influx of cash isn't going to be great and that not that they're not going to get more promotion on Fox and all that sort of stuff. But like you got to get things going here. The arrow's got to be start pointing up pretty soon here or else you're going to look weird. Yeah. And there's not a single arrow in the company pointing up. We just went through them all. We just went through every single one of them and everything is pointing down drastically. You know, so and, and no one's sending us the stock price today. Well, why isn't anyone pretty sending quiet. Us the stock it's pretty quiet today? on the front? I'll, I won't lie. The, uh, <laughs> That's always the answer. We get sent that stupid graph of the stock price. That's the counter to everything. Where's that today? So, I mean, you know, listen, it's OK, Rich. It's OK. These people think that nothing ever matters. Today was your first sign that there are things that these things do, in fact, matter. So it is a, ter- it is a terrible day for WWE. There's no other way around it. There is no spin possible. And honestly, people haven't tried to spin it. No, it's, been, it's been, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's woods. been quiet because nobody really wants to, you know, our usual, you know, folks that, that will come at us with, you know, some counter arguments, some good, some bad. And they've been quiet today because it's just like, well, yeah, there's nothing you can say. I'll tell you one thing that held up. WrestleMania held up. Now, I am of the belief that the card does not fucking matter ever when it comes to WrestleMania. I, I firmly believe that. I don't even know why they bother loading it up with people. from. The, I firmly believe that at least as of now, when those WrestleMania tickets go on sale in fucking whenever they do, November, whatever it is, I don't even know because I've never bought one. Um, that that show is essentially going to be a sellout or a near sellout, regardless of the card. We see it every year. It's basically sold out before they announce anything. So are you of the same belief that the one thing that's holding up WrestleMania as a brand is more so the brand than anything else? Yeah, oh, for sure. And, and I think a lot of it is just that it's this once a year thing. And like, yeah, you know, I get it. I get the WrestleMania thing. And it, it, it's still that will still resonate with my casual fan friends as well. And everybody that I know, it's still they, WrestleMania. They still know they still watch it. They still sit down. They still do that. But a lot of them have, have gotten out of the weekly TV. They've gotten out of the idea. They kind of just don't really like it for a multitude of reasons. But WrestleMania is always the time when they're like, yeah, whatever. It's WrestleMania. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I can watch it once a year. I'll, I'll, I'll sit down and watch it once a year, buy it once year talk about it or, or do that sort of stuff so that wrestlemania has held up and that that is a very strong brand at this point still i think people buy that ticket first hope to get a show that they like second 
I, I, you know, yeah, that's, it's an experience. It's 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 a yeah. you know we, we always used to laugh when people tell us, oh, it's not about the matches, it's the moments." Like, and we know we 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 know that, but now more than ever, it's like a moment. It's seven hours of moments. You go there to be a part of the WrestleMania experience and and, and be a part of your own WrestleMania moments. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of what yeah. it is these days. So, so I don't worry but about that. I think the WrestleMania moment is waiting for a bus outside of MetLife Stadium at three. Oh, God, what a nightmare! Yeah. <laughs> Did you see some of those tweets? I'm like, oh my God, horrendous. I'm sitting at home in my bed and I'm just like, dude. <laughs> like, do you, you do you realize how much of a shit show it had to have been? for Uber drivers to willingly pass up like 40 time fucking rates. <laughs> they didn't even want to deal with it. Even though they could have made like $900 a ride. Even they were like, <laughs> fuck this. I, you know, I'm going home. This is fucking insanity. I can't find my rider. I'm going home. And for an Uber driver to give up those rates is just insane. So that was just an absolute fucking shit show. And um, yeah, what a, what a nightmare that was. But I think WrestleMania can continue running the biggest buildings in the world. And uh, that hasn't been, uh, you know, even this year where less people were interested in watching it on TV and less people are interested in the television product, they still filled that building. So the WrestleMania name is the one thing that has kind of been Teflon, um, you know, in the face of every other facet of their business, just uh, uh, was today. and and. Uh, running for the fucking hills. But uh, that's your New Japan quarterly update. Again, keep your eyes out on our podcast feed for WrestleNomics because uh, that's going to be um, a, a, an excellent must-listen-to show. Rich, we always talk about like Wrestle Kingdom preview and, and review and WrestleMania shows. And our Royal Rumble and SummerSlam shows, shockingly, don't do much better than the norm. It's really Wrestle Kingdom that does well and the WrestleMania stuff that does well for something like WrestleNomics, these quarterly calls have to do have to perform the best oh they have to oh no doubt i mean everybody goes and follows him and i know he he gets up early in the morning and we'll talk about it in a bit he had a he had a rough day so he had had to get up after uh uh, losing a pretty important match and getting his uh his ass kicked you know (laughs) he had to wake up and and sip that coffee and get out there and make those graphs and stuff so no this is this is this is his wrestlemania these quarterly calls and this one in particular when it's a bloodbath like this, like people yeah. want that content from Brandon. So yeah, he's been doing a good job of it. I know he's appearing on a bunch of different other podcasts too. I know he's on post wrestling. I think he's going to be on observer live. I want to say, don't quote me yeah. on that, but I'm pretty sure he's going to pop up at some point on one of the observer shows. So he's going to be everywhere, uh, including WrestleNomics radio on uh, Voice wrestling podcast network. So, so it, it, yeah. And for us, it's always, uh, you, you correct me if you think this is off base. I think wrestle kingdom stuff does the best for us. I think that's yeah, preview review always. Yeah. hundred percent wrestle kingdom content. G1 content um, always does uh, tremendous for us. Uh, WrestleMania, uh, the big previews, they do well. Then, for whatever reason, Rich, whenever we would have a big Kenny Omega topic, those always seem to pop. And the other one that would pop would always be if we would talk about like Sasha Banks. I was about to say, Sasha Banks. If I I put Sasha Banks in the title... It gets listened yes. to like crazy, and I don't, I yes. don't quite understand it. I don't quite get it, but I, I'm, it's, it's intriguing. It is always, yeah. Charlotte or Becky or uh, uh, Sasha, you put them in the, in the description, and it would right. always do well. We're talking about lead topics or topics in the description now. Wrestle Kingdom G1, WrestleMania, Kenny Omega, Sasha Banks slash Charlotte. Those five seem to be the movers for whatever reason, and this is probably true for other shows, but not ours. Royal Rumble and SummerSlam really don't nah. do all that much. Tiny bumps. Tiny bumps at best. 
for those two. You would think that those two would be in the mix, uh, but they're really not. But uh, but yeah, just just interesting that I would think that uh, Russell Nomics would do uh, their best numbers during these quarterly calls. I have access to these numbers; I could easily look them up. But uh, you know, that's we'll just do. We'll just make idle. <laughs> we'll just make idle guessing. Yeah. <laughs> idle talk here. Uh, breaking yes. news as we're recording this: Dean Malenko has quit World Wrestling Entertainment. Oh, how about that? That's a now, lot of guys. Agents. That's a lot of power agents leaving. <laughs> yeah, these agents, you never know. I mean, sometimes they're older and they don't like traveling anymore. Sometimes they are, um, you know, they, they have, uh, they're prideful and they're tired of getting yelled at. Um, there's a lot of different reasons why agents throw in the towel. Um, so, you know, I'll wait for the details on it. But he's been there a long time. He didn't even have a break. Eight years. Eight years is uh, how long he's been there. So I think. Let me, let me well, confirm he- that. But I think it's eight. Didn't he come in as a wrestler and never leave? Or did he have a break in between? I don't recall if he ever... That'd be a lot longer than eight years. Well, I mean, he came in, you know, obviously with the Radicals in, in, in 2000. Um, so that's 19 I, years. And he yeah, didn't stop I don't wrestling. know if he ever... Yeah, I'm trying to remember if he ever... Because I think he stopped wrestling, I want to say, 2001 or so. He was kind of done a lot earlier than a lot of those other guys. And then I don't remember if he became an agent right after that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm trying to look at the, the – I, I can't really yeah, I get know. it uh, 100% here. But um, He may have gone away and come back then. I, I think he did. I think he did. But Still a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, almost a decade as, a, as an agent. Oh, I'm sorry, as a producer. producer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you know, and then a few years there as a wrestler too. But uh, get some details on that. Want to do a little New Japan. You want to do some New Japan Pro New Wrestling? Japan? Yeah, yeah, let's do left. it. Yeah, let's talk, uh, let's talk old NJPW. So we had the Sengoku Lord, which occurred uh, since we last talked to each other in 2017 or whatever it was when we last did a show. And then uh, this is a weird New Japan tour where they've got about four or five like mid-level shows, a bunch of Corican Halls. We've got the Sengoku Lord. We've got Wrestling Hinokuni coming up. And then we've got the uh, Wrestling Dantaku, which we'll talk more about next week. So this is that weird time of year where Hiroshi Tanahashi fakes an injury and decides to you know take a few months off. And then we've got uh, these weird shows like Hinokuni and Dantaku and Sengoku Lord and all of this that – are not really, they're definitely not A shows. They're not even really B shows. They're kind of like, would you call them C-level major shows? I don't even know what to call these yeah, things. Yeah, spot shows, C-level shows. I don't know what you, you got a random like Jushin Thunder Liger 30th anniversary show just kind of like lumped in the middle of this. It's been a very weird tour. Yeah, and they'll do three, 4,000 fans or whatever. And then, um, oh, I got some breaking news. John Havlicek has passed away. I did yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah. That's a shame. Seventy nine. You want to talk Hondo here? I'm sure people love. Listen, I do a half hour on Hondo if you want, but I don't think the listener. Well, you know what? I might. I might have a over and back podcast. I, I am. There you go. I'm texting it. right now with uh, with with Jason Mann, who I host uh, at Overback NBA uh, on Twitter. If you want to follow us, um, OverbackNBA.com as well. Uh, the uh, basketball history podcast I do right now. We are, we are we are texting one another right now to try to figure out when we can uh, get together to talk Hondo. So that will that will come soon. I'm sure. Yeah, he's worth he's worthy of. A- show so uh you got to get that done so let's do the sengoku lord uh let's just talk about the top matches because we have a lot to get to on this show and a lot of new japan stuff to catch up with and uh listen you know there might be a listener out there that wants us to break down you know suzuki gun versus uh liger <laughs> kojima hanare hama and nagata but uh, gonna be us. Gonna, uh <laughs> sorry if that's yeah, you we're gonna skip to the, meat of the show here so. 
Just not this week. You know, normally we do. So cut us a break here. We got a lot to get to. Juice Robinson defended the United States title against Bad Luck Folly. He successfully defends it all tour long. Bad Luck Folly was targeting Juice Robinson's back. Juice Robinson was vowing to fight through uh, that those back injuries, and he said he was going to slam Bad Luck Folly center of the ring, 1980s Andre the Giant style, and vanquish this big man. And uh, I got to tell you, Rich, and I know that you agree because we talked about it a little bit. For a Bad Luck Folly match, I thought Juice Robinson did a tremendous job, and this match was a shit ton of fun. It's not going to make your match of the year list, but this is exactly what it should have been. Bad luck Fale beating this man down, targeting the back, just like the story they were telling in their promos and in their tag matches leading up. And uh, Juice Robinson with some hope spots, getting the crowd into it. And my God, did they peak this thing at just the right time. When Juice finally slammed this man, the place <laughs> exploded. Okay. And then he hit that pulp friction and put him away. And I tell you, they had the crowd in the palm of their hands. This was, you know, you get an old school wrestler to watch this one, okay? And they'll pop big for this match because this was just dangling the crowd like a cat with a string and uh, and getting the desired reaction in the end. And I didn't expect to like this, Rich. I really like this match. <laughs> I'm right with you. I, I, I love this match. And it's one of these weird ones that we're probably going to have an issue in terms of like star rating because people were like, well, what's your stars? Are? What do you think? What, what did you rate it? And and, and I'm fine with that because I let you know, I, I, it's a totally normal question. But this is one of those weird ones. We talk about it all the time where like I couldn't give somebody an accurate star rating because was it technically a good match? Was it technically a great match? No, they they probably honestly did seven moves this entire match, right? Like, am I conservative in saying that seven to fifteen moves was like the amount of moves that happened in this entire match, this like twenty minute match or whatever? Like, Juice did four things: he tried to slam, held his back, and then slammed, and then hit the pulp friction. Like that that's kind of all Juice did this entire match. He sold the entire way, right? Which is fine, but the, it's one of these things that, like, technically, no, it's not a great match, as you said. It's not going to go on your match of the year, but I fucking loved it, like, because it was just like it was old school. It was just one of these, like, we have now officially become curmudgeons, maybe because I watched this and I said, "Yes, this is what I want." Like, Juice says, "I'm going to slam you in the middle of this ring." Bad Luck Folly says, "You're not going to be able to slam me because I'm too big," and that's the story of the match. Just Juice, and I'm going to destroy your back, right? And from, sure the, from the opening bell, Juice is a moron and tries to slam him. A la Hulk Hogan WrestleMania 3, Balak Folly clubs him in the back, and then Juice has to hold his back the rest of the match until he finally, after 15 or so minutes, can slam him and then immediately hits his move and then pins him and it's over. It's not a bunch of kickouts, it's not a bunch of back and forth, it's all this sort of stuff. It was just like minimalist wrestling done to fucking perfection with the crowd just dying, living and dying by every single move and just wanting Juice so badly to, 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 to ignore his back and just slam this motherfucker in the middle of the ring. And then he did, and then they fucking loved it. It was just like, you know what I mean? Like, technically, I don't know what to star rate it. Like, I don't know. Can I give it four stars? Like, I, I guess. Like, I really liked it, but was it good? I don't know. It was like, it's one of these weird ones that it just, it just did what it needed to do perfectly. Was it a great yeah, match? This I don't know. But it did exactly what it needed to be. It was uh, it was bad luck folly, destroying Juice, Juice having a hope spot, Juice getting the final hope spot that he needed, and then winning the match in pretty definitive fashion. I don't know. How do you rate that? How do you rate a match like that that you love, that you this, adore? <laughs> like, this, is, this match is a good argument against – this is uh, one of those matches that's a good argument against star ratings because it did everything it seeked out to do, and it did it well. And it, and, and it won the crowd over and it told its story perfectly, but it wasn't designed to be an epic. It wasn't designed 
to to be what we consider a match of the year quality match. And that's how we rate, whether we want to admit it or not, our scale is based on was this a match of the year quality match and how far from that was it? That's realistically how we rate matches. And I that's a problem. And it's why I've talked about not enjoying rating matches sometimes, but it's just one of those things you have to do because uh, it's just something everyone does. And, and, and I guess you don't have to do it, but people want that. They like the match ratings. But this match is the perfect argument against it because I don't know how to – I don't know what to do with something like this. It's like I don't know how to rate a squash match. Right. You always talk I've about that. Yeah, your classic, match. you know, two-minute yeah. squash match. What do you? How do you rate that if you fucking loved it? Like, and it was perfect for what it needed to be, but it was a two-minute squash match that not much happened in. Like, how, what do you, how do you rate that? Because it opens our eyes that we, are, that we do this scaling it to a match of the year. But some matches aren't designed to be on that – you know, on that in that branch of of match, they're not designed to be rated on uh, or compared to those types of matches. And this was a perfect example of that. So yeah, I don't know what to do with a match like this. All I know is I enjoyed it, and I and I thought Juice's performance was exceptional, especially against a guy who's really bad now. He's having a bad year. He's uh he's he's gotten progressively worse and this and, and I've defended Bad Luck Folly, but he has not been good at all. And we've buried him and he's deserved it. Sometimes he looks like he doesn't care. He looks very uncoordinated. Um, you know, he's not a good big man. And I thought Juice Robinson um carried this thing and was tremendous in it. And then uh that was the semi-main event. The main event was Kota Ibushi uh successfully defending the Intercontinental title against Zack Saber Jr. And uh this oh, was fucking awesome. I mean, they just have, you know, I always talk about, I, I don't like the chemistry between Zack Sabre Jr. and Tanahashi. I think they have clunky chemistry and the matches. I, I am always the low man when Zack Sabre Jr. wrestles Hiroshi Tanahashi. I think Zack Sabre Jr.'s chemistry with Kota Ibushi is the polar opposite. I think they have tremendous chemistry. And I think Kota Ibushi is a guy who just, he, he, he wrestles in such a way that He's almost the perfect opponent for Zack Sabre Jr. Um, he's got those long limbs that Zack can attack and twist and contort. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. is kind of a troll where he will troll his opponent. And Kota Ibushi is great at firing up. And Kota Ibushi always has that moment in a match where he just snaps. And that plays perfectly against the way that Zack Sabre Jr. works as a heel. And then, of course, they're both just such great athletes and great professional wrestlers that when they get into, um, you know, complex uh, counter and reversal sequences, or when they get into their closing stretches, that you're watching two of the best in the world. And I just thought this all came together and was a smidge below what I would consider a match of the year level match. I'd go somewhere like four and a half on this. I love this fucking match. And I thought Kota Ibushi was great. And I think that Zack Sabre Jr. has now reached a point where he can main event anytime for new Japan on pretty much any show of any size. And they have successfully elevated him to a top-level position. And the thing about Sabre is he's a constant threat to beat anyone because his style is so different than everyone else. And they've gotten his submissions over to the point right. where fans buy into the idea that he can beat anyone on any given night. And again, credit Hiroshi Tanahashi again. All of those matches he had against Tanahashi, the one thing about Tanahashi that people don't talk about enough is how he gets people over. Okada is the prime example, but there's others too. 
And Zach Sabre Jr. is another one. I think Horst Tanashi is a big reason that this guy is over with the fans to the point where they buy into him beating anyone. Yeah, I think to me, and this match was an interesting one again because to me, I, I, you went four and a half. I probably went four and a quarter with it. And it's another one that like it didn't reach that match to your level. There wasn't like maybe enough like kind of back and forth to get to that thing that you're talking about again, where you talk about the star ratings and that sort of stuff. But I loved how they did the finish because it again, it was pretty definitive. Like Kotobushi just beat Zack Sabre Jr. And, I, and, and I'm kind of for whatever reason, this year is a year where I'm just starting. I'm starting to re-embrace wrestling. That's just a little more simple. It's just like Kotobushi hit his move and pin the guy. You, you know what I mean? Like that's it was just like Zack did all he could do. But when Kotobushi wanted to put him away, he just put him away. Like in, in another time or another era or whatever i'd be fine with zach Jr. kicking out a bunch of times and i'm going back and forth but this time it was just like nope he hit the you know the cold trigger and, and that was it like that's that's all he needed to do was or the kamagoya i want to say he he hit that and then he just pinned him he rolled him up in the middle of the ring it was kind of weird looking like he was half in the ropes or whatever and he just fucking pinned him and it was over and it was like there you go like that's you didn't need to, that you didn't need another 10 minutes you didn't need a bunch of back and forth or whatever it just needed to tell the story it needed to tell and that story was that zach Sabre Jr. could have tapped coda out at any time coda had many points looked like he could have gotten tapped out at any point but Kotobushi is such a headstrong guy that like you can knock him down a bunch of times he's going to keep getting back up he's going to keep fighting keep fighting keep fighting but then when he hits that move on you now he's a focused man now he's signed with New Japan he does all this sort of stuff that now when he's ready to just put you away and now when he's ready to be focused he just beats you and, and it was one of those ones that again like Yes, it would have been better maybe if they added another five minutes and did back and forth and all this sort of stuff, but I didn't need that. I just needed Kotobushi to win and win definitively and Zack Sabre Jr. to look good when it was done as well, and that's exactly what they did in this match. So, no, I loved it, and uh, your, your point is absolutely right about Zack Sabre Jr. too. He is a made man in that company now, and I think Kota as well. For whatever reason, I I just feel a lot better about Kota now, knowing that he signed that contract, knowing that he's committed. It's like you can tell the weight is off the shoulders of him the weight is off the shoulders of New Japan, and they're just ready to say, all right, this guy fucking rocks, and we're going to push him to the moon. And I love that, because I've been waiting for so long for Kota Bushi to do that. You you famously, many years ago, had that you know, right. shit-or-get-off-the-pot rant about him. It's like, dude, what do you yes. want to be? Like, where do you want to be with your life? Like, do you want to be fucking around in warehouses with dummies, or do you want to be the fucking star and the main eventer of Wrestle Kingdom? Like, what do you want to be? And I've, I kind of defended him saying, hey, do whatever you want to do. But I kind of agreed as well. Like, all right, what are you going to do? Like, and, and, and people would argue, oh, New Japan, they're not pushing him. And I'll, I get it. Why? I wouldn't push that guy back in that era because you never knew what the hell right. he was going to do. Now that he's saying, I'm with you, he put his name on the dotted line, and now they go, okay, cool. We got a guy. And we talk about, again, the next man up you know, sort of theory and whatnot. Coda's there and ready to go, man. You could, you could, you could justify main eventing a Wrestle Kingdom with that guy now, you, you know, yeah, he's there Zach, and he's ready Zach, to go. Zach, yeah. Zack Sabre Jr. Like I said, is a guy now who can credibly main event a lot of your shows. Kota Bushi, now that he's signed, sealed, delivered, says he's committed to the company is a guy who's now a credible threat to win the top title. Yeah. Right. And, and as well, he should be any, and, and, and this is just, uh, you know, this it, it, is a good move, I think, for him. It's a great move for New Japan to get him into the fold. They now have five tippy-top guys that they can count on. They always seem to have four or five guys. And right now, they have five with uh, with Ibushi, Jay White, uh, Okada, Naito, and Tanahashi. That's their big five right now. And this is what we just talked about earlier. They always manage to, to, to restock the bench. And now you've got that next level of guys, and that's the level that Zack Sabre Jr. is on. And as a guy who can main event any show, anytime. So, uh, so yeah, great match. Um, love the hell out of it. That was Sengoku Lord. 
and we've got some stuff coming up now. We will preview Hino Kuni in detail. On the 26th, there's a Road to Wrestling Dantaku show, and it's headlined by a junior tag title match. It is um, – what are the particulars there? Let me it, pull it's Shonyo, yeah, Shonyo versus uh, Shingo and Bushi is your, is your main event right. of that show. And there's really nothing. I was going to pull up the card, but there's nothing else of note on that that we really need to get Yeah, there's. Into. I mean, the semi-main is Kota, uh, Ishii, and Okada, which that's a hell of a unit right there, versus uh, Naito, Evil, and Sonata. So that's obviously just building up to pretty much what you can guess is your big, uh, you know, yeah. Dontaku matches with Okada and Sonata uh, and Ibushi and Naito, which looks like the direction they're obviously going there. Uh, and otherwise, just kind of preview matches, preview tag matches for Dontaku. But uh, that main event is the one of big note there, the Shonyo versus Shingo and, and, and Bushi for the junior tags. And we'll get into the Ibushi Naito thing because there's a yes. lot to talk about there going right back to that match again. But we'll save that. We'll save that for next week when when we think it'll be a little more relevant instead of because it's gonna end up being one of those things that we talk about two weeks talk about two weeks later. Right, yeah. And it makes I more sense talking that. about it next week for sure. So, so then uh, May 1st, there's a show the headlined by a couple of big elimination matches, Rich Krejci's favorites. I'm sure that'll be good. The three Corkins, uh, the first Corkin Hall show this past week, Rich, is a show that no one's going to watch or pay attention to because it was nothing but tags. What a great show. Every match on that show flirted with four stars with the exception of one tag match, the uh, Juice Robinson and uh, Nichols versus Fale and Chase Owens since those guys are all feuding with each other. Yeah. That was just a match. That was just, you know, three-star special, two-and-a-half-star special, does, whatever. I, sorry, not to interrupt. Does Mikey Nichols stink? Oh, we're going to get to that. Now. I think he kind of stinks now. We're going to get to <laughs> I've that. I've been watching a few of his stuff, and, and I think he just kind of stinks. But uh, not to, and also not to interrupt your flow here about the, this Corkin show, but I think in general, and I've been kind of picking and choosing and watching some undercard, because I'm a guy who for years would just kind of skip if an undercard tag didn't really quite work for me or, or I didn't have time to watch the whole show, I'd kind of skip. I've been really liking the undercard tags that New Japan has been doing this year. I've been watching a few on this tour here and there. They're just clicking. I don't know why. I don't know what the reason is, but they're just they're, they're nailing it. I, I, I'm actually interested in watching this Corkin show because I didn't see the whole thing. That one, I'm telling you, every other match aside from that one I just named, you could, if you went four stars, I wouldn't fight you. They wow. all flirted with yeah. four. <laughs> Red hot crowd. Uh, intense, hard-hitting, fast-paced work. And that's the thing with the New Japan tags. Look, we're all tired of them. We all uh, ignore them. We all roll our eyes. We know that it's just, uh, they mean nothing. But the thing about it is they're the most underrated matches in wrestling. Because like you just said, they almost always deliver. You get the right combination of guys in there. And they're fucking awesome. Remember all those LIJ Chaos multi-man tags? And they were, how awesome they were, but then they just did them to death. and. Right, you, got bored. Great, you got bored of watching watch the 75th awesome match between those guys. And you're like, all right, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. And, and, and now it's like, I think the reason they've been working so much lately is they kind of have a, a, you know, they there's some roster turnover here. Like 33% of the roster has turned over with the elite leaving and bringing in guys like uh, Cobb and Nichols and, and Dragon Lee and all that on this tour. So it's a little bit of a new roster. It's a little bit of a new mix. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, I think it's not that the matches are better than they've been. They just feel fresher and people are into them. This cork and all, I'm telling you, it's the perfect show to just throw on when you're doing something else. So the kind of show you're going to look up at every couple minutes, but not just laser focus attention to. And it's a perfect show for those purposes. I haven't seen enough of the other two Corkins to say anything about those, the Liger 30th anniversary. And then the show, of course, where the big draw was announcing the super junior entrance. But um, but yeah, that you know this tour, a lot of good undercard tags, and that brings us to April 29th 
actually before that May 1st show with the elimination tags is April 29th, which is Wrestling Hino Kuni. And we will take a look at this one in a bit more detail. Then we'll talk about Bezza Super Juniors, and then we'll jump to the next topic. But Hino Kuni, Rich, we got some tags, which we just put over that now I'm going to blow off. So we've got uh, Tomo Akihama, Aminu, <laughs> and Ren Narita versus Toa Hanare, Yota Suji, and Yuya Yamura. Only thing of note here is, is uh, Yota Suji and Yuya Yamura have finally stopped having draws. So we're finally starting them to progress a little bit to the point where they're able to, one guy is able to beat the other. So uh, those two guys have progressed past the point where they're having draws every night. Uh, that's your opener. And these young lion openers have all been awesome on this tour too, um, as as per the usual with New Japan Young Lions. Then we've got a 10-man tag. Jeff Cobb, Yoshihashi, Jushin Thunder Liker, Tiger Mask, and Taguchi versus uh, basically the entire Suzuki gun unit. Taichi, uh, Suz- uh, Minoru Suzuki, Kanamoru, El Desperado and Taka Mishinoku. Now, the big thing here oh, is awesome. Liger and Minoru Suzuki so are building towards a single match. And these tags have been fucking fire, Rich. That's the one I want you to make sure you pay attention to when you watch the Cork and Hall show. Uh, the one where Liger and Suzuki are on opposite sides. And not only that, Liger and Kanemaru have now talked me into wanting to see a single match between those two dudes because they've got tremendous chemistry. But the Liger-Suzuki stuff has been outstanding. Liger has already challenged Suzuki to a match where if he defeats Suzuki, Suzuki has to retire as well. So those two guys are going to have a singles match, and I don't see how anyone wouldn't be excited about that. Yeah, um, I watched. Uh, maybe, maybe I watched the Corkin one. Did I watch part of the the Corkin show that you're talking about? Was it 24th? Th- this has been maybe. such a weird tour. It's, it's the so first weird. One, yeah. that's the one where they're just throwing chairs at each tour. other and <laughs> they're just going yes. nuts. And and Liger gets in the middle of the ring and says, "No, you get in the ring and fight. That's where we fight or whatever." Was that that one? They've all been hot like that. It could have been any of them. Because I've I seen don't know. Yeah, that's the problem. Is they, there's been a it's, bunch. So I know this was in Cork, and I don't know. It was the 24th. I think it was the Liger 30th anniversary one that I watched. And they just come out, and they're both they both are just they're holding chairs, and and you know, Kanemaru's unmasking Tiger Mask, and it's just there's just hatred going on. It's just fucking hatred everywhere. And, and yeah. Liger gets on the mic and go and basically calls Suzuki a pussy and tells him to get in the goddamn ring. And it's just like, oh my yep. god, yes, it's incredible. It's just great stuff. And the crowd just eating out of the palm of their hands. They they so badly want to see these guys fight. So I can't. Wait. It's heated and it's great. And yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Um, a lot of people are saying that that could be with them running two domes. That could be one of the dome semi-main events. Oh, absolutely. I, with Liger's you know, farewell, for sure. Yeah, That'll be his last match. And listen, I agree that that match would draw. I don't think they're going to drag it out that long. That's a long so time I think to drag gonna... this feud. Yeah, they're like they're like about yeah. to boil over now. I, I don't know how you're going to be able to yeah. be like, ah, just wait, you know, eight more months. And if, you, and if you do drag it out, you're not peaking it properly. So at this point, it's got to happen soon. Uh, a lot of people are joining the tour on the back end here. Jeff Cobb, Will Ospreay. We've got Dragon Lee and Will Ospreay against Taiji Ishimori and Hikuleo. And now we've got the business end of the card where a lot of things are coming to a head. Two singles matches in the mid card here among all of these guys that are feuding with each other. Mikey Nichols versus Bad Luck Fale. Juice Robinson versus Chase Owens. Juice has already defended the U.S. title against both Chase Owens and Bad Luck Fale. Mikey Nichols kind of had his back when those two guys were bullying him earlier on in the year. So they've all been paired up in tags against each other all tour long. Juice has gone through both of those guys in defenses. And now we get two more singles matches. Juice and Chase Owens again. Hopefully this one won't be bogged down with as much outside stuff with Jado like the title match was. But let's talk about, and you kind of, um, 
I, I was doing this as sort of a mini topic, and you alluded to it already. Mikey Nichols' Bad Luck Folly, which has the potential to be one of the worst matches that you'll see in New Japan all year. The Mike, We've talked about Folly ad nauseum. He fucking stinks. Mikey Nichols, this isn't working, Rich. And listen, I understand when these guys first start out in New Japan, there's a bit of a curve. Uh, they're getting used to the style. He's coming from, from WWE, which is a very regimented style. He's working a lot like a WWE guy right now. There's no juice whatsoever, no pun intended, with him teaming with Juice Robinson. He's just a guy on the roster being being below average. Yeah. So what is going on with Mikey Nichols? Do you think he can recover, or do you think he's patiently waiting around for Shane Thorne to quit I WWE? Yes, so I don't know. And it's like it, it, it's not. It hasn't been that? that long since he's been good. Like it's not like this case where a guy that. Um, you know, it's like, oh, well, it's been, you know, five years since he had a good match. So yeah, he's like broken or whatever. Like, cause I, <coughs> oh, sorry. Like, I truly believe that like if Cesaro like left WWE and went to the Indies again, like people are, would expect these incredible, but I don't know that he's like capable of having, you know what I mean? Like one of those guys that it's like, well, no, yeah, it's been like five or six years since he's had like incredible, awesome singles matches or whatever. So I'd buy, but, but Nichols, we've, we've seen him, but we've seen him in tag matches. So maybe it is him just kind of waiting around, but like you're saying he's a ghost. Like he's in these matches. There was a match that I watched that he, I swear they said he was in it. I don't remember him doing a single spot. They kept saying Nichols and I would look up and he wasn't there. <laughs> and they would say Nichols and I'd look up and he wasn't there. And then he was in there for like a minute and he did one thing and then he was out and he just, he's just not doing anything. He's not jumping off the page. The fans don't really care. Like he's just not clicking and it, it, it's really unique and, and it's really strange because he's a guy with so much talent and, and, and we heard from some people too that when he left, you know, NXT and was in Australia and in New Zealand and working around a little bit that people were saying, yeah, he's just not really, he's not doing much. And everybody kind of assumed, well, it's just until he, you know, goes to that next level. Now he's in New Japan, and it's like, hey, he's still not doing much. So I guess we'll wait for Shane <laughs> to, to come free and join him. But then, like, then we're out of excuses. Then he's just not good anymore. So I, I don't know. I'm really, I'm just flabbergasted because this is a guy who, who in re very recent history, was very, very good. And it's just not, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. Yeah, he hasn't gotten good reviews in his Australian indie matches. And he just, he looks like a guy who um, just, you know, I, he doesn't look of New Japan caliber right now. No, it, it, and, and it's, uh, it's, it looks kind of like a, a, a half not care and half not good enough. And that's like not, I, I would never expect this guy to be that, either of those two. Now, Rich, this, is, this could be simple. Is he a tag wrestler? That's possible. Yeah. And that's what Can I mean. Like, that's, that could be the last strife. Like, if, like th that might just be it. Cause like I said, he's had of recent vintage very good matches, but with Shane Thorne. You know what I mean? So it's, maybe it's a possibility that. He's yeah, he doesn't quite click unless he's got his dude there with him. So <laughs> listen, he's New Japan trained, so that's not. I mean, he's New Japan trained. Oh, that's true. You're right, right. Yeah, I forget about he's that. He's a LA Dojo New Japan guy. Samoa Joe, TJ Perkins, Rocky Romero, uh, Ricky Reyes, Sarah Del Rey. He was there. He's one of them. Brian, I, would, yeah, I always forget that he was one of those. So yeah, there's no the whole crew. He's New Japan trained, so it's not like you know. So I don't know. It just hasn't worked. Uh, listen, I gave him a pass. New Japan Cup. Because I give everyone a pass when they first show up. You, you got to get acclimated to your new surroundings. You know what I mean? I'm not going to bury someone if it takes them a while to to get going. You know, um, it took Chase Owens a while to get going. You know, but again, Chase Juice Owens Robinson, was Juice Robinson's a great example too. I mean, Juice, was, it took a while. God, to get he was going. six months, and it was like, dude, what is going on with this guy? <laughs> like, you might need to go away. Like, it was nothing, and he and now he's clicking like crazy. But yeah. So now, with that said, are we being too harsh on Mikey Nichols, or do we not give him a pass because he is New Japan trained? I don't know what to do with him. Maybe he's just a tag guy. And it wouldn't stun me at all if Shane Thorne is just waiting out the clock to join him. That wouldn't stun me at all.
because those guys weren't happy. And um, I assume since they're still not doing anything with Shane Thorne, then he's not happy. And why wouldn't New Japan take him if they took Mikey Nichols? So, uh, you know, maybe maybe something's in play there where everybody knows something that's going to occur that hasn't occurred yet. I don't know. That's just speculation on my part. An educated speculation, just based on things we've told and things of that nature. But we'll see. But that has the potential to be fucking I awful. know, I'm dreading that. <laughs> Good God. My expectations for that are like one and a half star yeah. level. I mean, I really think I expect it to be bad. Um, we got a 10-man tag, Chaos versus LIJ. We just talked about it. These are always fucking fire. And there's no reason to think with Kota Ibushi joining Chaos for this one um, against the five members of LIJ that this will not be fire as well. Have you seen Shingo and Sho just wanting to annihilate I each have. other on every fucking if they're not in the same super junior well let's save yes that yes okay let's, let's finish up this show gorillas of destiny will defend the iwgp tag team titles not the ring of honor tag team titles against uh most violent players togi makabe and Toru yano i don't think they've heated this up sufficiently no you know, no I would it's expect- just kind of here yeah it's just kind of there I- it's yeah i'm not feeling it there's, you know, stuff that they've heated. Look, I think the Mikey Nichols, Juice Robinson versus Fala Chase Owens feud is hotter than this feud. Um, you know, and, and clearly the 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 uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, Suzuki versus Liger stuff is way hotter than this. Girls of Destiny, their hot feud right now is the Briscoes. I mean, that is fucking red hot, and you're getting that in Chicago on a War of the World show in a couple weeks, and we'll talk about it uh, in more detail on another show. But I'm just not feeling this match, and. I don't have a feel for who could win. I think either team could win. I don't think it matters really who wins. I think MVP, as I predicted when they came together, will will I think they're they're a lock to have a tag title run at some point. Um, so I don't know. You have a prediction for this or anything or? Uh, what's um, your I just on? yeah. I mean, there's there's no way Gorillas of Destiny are losing here, right? Like that. Oh, you I, don't again, think like, so? I don't have a- yeah, I think they could. <sighs> See, I, maybe it's a way to get that title, but like I don't know that the I don't know that Makabe and Yano are quite. But see, this is this assumes like I would say that they're not ready yet, but it's also the IWGP tag team titles, and it's like, yes, you know what? who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like no, I don't think that the most violent players have been built up properly for this. I don't think Girls of Destiny have been built up to lose these titles right now, but it's also these titles. So it's like, I mean, does it really matter that much? Do we really care all that much? You know, w- would it be shocking if the the most violent players win? Probably not. I feel like Girls of Destiny retain here, but I would, you know, it's probably a coin toss. It really, I, I wouldn't argue one way or another. The sons of Haku, the three of them, in fact, already lost to these guys in the trios challenge. So you're probably right. They probably win this one because they're not going to lose to them twice. Or maybe they will. I mean, I don't know if that's some kind of hard fist. Um, Not rule, but policy to go by either. I don't know. I'll tell you this. I don't care about that match. I I, I really couldn't care less about it. I I don't care about any, either of the teams really. And, um, you know, uh, MVP reforming does nothing for me. I just was never really a fan of either one of those guys to begin with. And when it comes to Grills of Destiny, I'm way more interested in the Briscoe stuff. And then we've got Hiroki Goto against Jay White. Rich on the um, on the uh, the Sengoku Lord Show, Jay White pinned Hiroki Goto to heat up this match. I don't know how that's exactly heating it up, but uh, Goto is going to lose to Jay White on a high 
profile show twice in a row. Does that shock you, Rich? No, Hiroki of course Goto. it doesn't. He's a geek. Of course it doesn't. But uh, yeah, it's it's it is kind of in some ways it is, and 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 like we'll we'll talk about it when we preview Nontaku. Like they're they're doing a lot of matches that are like repeats of the MSG and stuff. And it's like, you know, Jay white and, and, and hundred percent Jay white is winning here because he's definitely losing at Dontaku probably if he's going to be facing, uh, you know, or, or, or I, I, it's, it's weird. No, no, you know, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm mixing shows up here, uh, with, with Jay white. Ignore shows. that thought. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Ignore that thought. Ignore me. I'm an idiot. Uh, whatever. He's going to win here and it makes sense. And they're doing a lot of the rematch and they're doing some rematches at, at, at Tontaku and stuff. But like it, with, with, with White and, and Goto, it's like another thing again where you're saying like back to back Goto is going to lose here. But it's like, you know, th- there's there's some different priorities going on and Goto is just not a priority for them. So it's like, yeah, you know, he, he is just going to lose again uh, to Jay White. And it, it, it makes maybe sense because you need to kind of build Jay White back up, which is fine. But yeah. Yeah, but maybe Goto does win since he took the visual pin to Jay White already. And listen, Sengoku Lord. Hinokuni, Dontaku, uh, the show in the UK, uh, G1 in Dallas, Madison Square Garden, two dome shows, uh, best of Super Junior Final in, in a gigantic building. This is an ambitious schedule this year, and we knew that they were going to have to come up with a million new main event matches. Okay, So maybe it's time you do flip the switch on someone like Goto and give him a win over one of your uh, you know core five guys. So that you can headline with him on one of these shows coming up before the G1. Uh, so who knows? Maybe that's the, the line of thinking here. I personally don't believe Jay White can, can be hurt by a loss. I think Jay White's a made guy. Jay White pinned Hiroshi Tanahashi for the IWGP title. Jay White beat Kazuchika Okada twice. Jay White beat Tanahashi multiple times. I'm not worried about Jay White. I think Jay White can lose to Goto in this match. Get the win back in the G1 or at some other point in time and be just fine. I think you need to create some guys who can main event some of these shows because you got a million shows. This is not a normal year. So have I talked you into a potential no. go-to? <laughs> I think Jay White's in. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I don't. I, it, uh, maybe a little. You have talked me into a little bit, but I don't. to me, I don't think Jay White's as Teflon as you do. I think it's important for him to get wins against guys like Godo. I think he needs to firmly establish himself above a level of a guy like a Goto, and 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 that's why I think he wins this match uh, pretty definitively, actually. To be clear, I, I well, here's the thing: I think he can lose to Goto provided he beats him again at some point. I don't think he could just lose to Goto when you let it hang there. Right, that's right, the, right. The, you have then another match after this, but that's a lot of Goto and Jay White. Is that really? But I guess you need White. It's kind of a holding pattern right now uh, until you're ready to kind of heat him back up again and have him at least go for this. So I guess you could maybe justify that. Maybe, may, maybe you could. I just. To me, I wouldn't absorb another Jay White loss right now. I'd have him. I'd have him be. Good. I hear you. That's fair. See, I don't think Jay White should be losing feuds to Hiroki Goto, but lose to Goto. Um, but you know, yeah, maybe I am just more bullish on the idea that that White is is kind of untouchable. I think I think they've effectively elevated him into those five. Do you not put him in those five then? Do you differ that strongly? Um, no, I, I don't, I just don't know that he's, cause you kind of have him as like a Teflon, like he can lose and it doesn't really matter. Cause he's just ready to go. I think he's a guy that's still sort of establishing himself in that. I think he's in that picture, but I think his, his, I don't want the, the right way to say he's kind of loose in it. You know what I mean? Like, or if he absorbed a few losses, people might just go, ah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Like, I don't know that he's on that, like, you know, a completely unfound, you know, like just this top, top star that like, who cares if he loses, he wins and loses at any point. It doesn't matter. You'd be ready to go whenever you want to heat him up again. I think you just, you still are, are, are in a lot of ways 
still kind of building him to that point and still building him up a little bit. So I, I wouldn't have him lose to a guy like a Goto because I think that does kind of damage his standing in a lot of ways. See, even though he's the heel and even though he's kind of the bad guy, I still think that you still have to establish him as a guy who can beat yeah. someone of Goto's level. Yeah. See, I think they're going to push Jay White regardless as a top guy. What Jay White hasn't proven is whether he's a draw or not. Right. Because you look at his title, okay? MSG had nothing to do with him. And the anniversary show against Willow Spray, that show's going to sell those three or 4,000 tickets or whatever it is, no matter what you do on a show like that, because it's the anniversary show. So it, it was very crafty how they handled that first run. They established him as a top-line potential title holder at any time level player, but they didn't ask him to carry anything, which was interesting. And he didn't really have to carry anything. So he's unproven in that regard. And we'll see how this show does with him and Goto on top. I know it's not some giant building, but, uh, but we'll it's see. Important. It no, it's important. And then Huno Kuni, we always talked about in prior years too. They, they would put like a kind of a weird sort of matchup in, in the main event. Or, but yeah. it would always, it, it always kind of mattered too in terms of like, okay, let's see if sure like Ishii can draw. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or let's see if a Nagata could draw or whatever. Like, you know, come back and, and, and have a Nagata. I, I forget. I, I think there was a Nagata main event a few years ago with the Huno Kuni. Like, they did it, a lot of. A lot of never title matches. Yeah, so yeah, all right. those guys you're talking about are, are correct. Yeah. So I, I don't think it totally doesn't matter, but I think it's like a nice little test thing that it's like, all right, well, whatever. It didn't quite work. It is what it is. But maybe if it does work, it's like, okay, cool. We, we know that now these guys, or whether it be a Goto or White, can, can can draw a little bit level. And that's, again, that's another reason why I think that White has to probably win that too, is because he is unproven as a draw still. He's not Teflon like those other guys are. So I think it, it you do need to establish him as a real super credible threat still even though even though he is i just think he, he's still kind of he's still fledgling in a lot of ways like you don't want to just kind of treat him like he's a made man just yet because i don't know that he's quite there all right so let's talk about these bestest super junior entrants uh there was a poster that was floating around which pretty much gave all this away for some reason there was still a lot of speculation on who was going to be in and who was going to be out people thinking hiromu let's talk about this hiromu thing because even if he's physically ready I wouldn't have put him in this. I think when you bring back Hiromu, you bring him back for a focused singles match, not nine singles matches. So I wouldn't have been high on that if he would have ended up being the X or which everyone kind of knew was going to be Phantasmo anyway because they've been teasing him for months. Uh, what's your take on that? I think you bring him back for a focused singles match near the top of a cards at some point. Down yeah, there. I would 100% agree. Like, I, I'm ready for him to come back because I just miss him because he was incredible. So it's like part of me wanted him to be the X. But then a little bit more you you think about it, you're like, yeah, no, it doesn't make sense for him to just be. Because then he's just like, ha- like at, at that point, then like a, a weekend, he's just having matches with Flip Gordon. You know what I mean? It's just Hiromu having a match with Flip Gordon. Like, yeah. you know, and, and that's not what you want. You, you want Hiromu to come back. And because that that's a guy that I, I'm on record as saying, you know, prior to him getting hurt uh, last year, that he's a dude that I think will, will, if he comes back and he's healthy or whatnot, will and can transcend weight classes and just be like one of the biggest stars in that entire company, regardless if he's a junior or a heavyweight, because he is that good and he's that over and people uh, have, are so attached to him on that level. So the idea that like he just comes in and he's just kind of a guy, you know, and that's not to say everybody in this best of the super juniors is just a guy, but like when you bring Haruma back, I'm 100% with you. It needs to be a giant moment. It needs to be a giant match and people need to know, okay, on this night against this guy, Haruma's coming back and like, and 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 you need to then keep kind of keep him special then for those little few months versus coming back here and it's just like yeah he's just kind of a dude then he's just a dude in the tournament uh, pretty quickly after that and he needs to be a little bit more special than that so I I understand agree as much as I want him to come back I want him to come back in a in a role where where he's important 
Okay, so here's your field. Here are your new entries, and this is a tremendous lineup of, uh, of first-time entrants into the best of Super Juniors. Bandito, Jonathan Gresham, Robbie Eagles, and Phantasmo. So, I mean, listen, you, you, can't, you can't complain about that. Uh, they did a tremendous job uh, with all four of those guys. Phantasmo was the ex. He will be Bullet Club. He is Taiji Ishimori's uh, uh, new partner, presumably. Um, my little gripe there, I think Robbie Eagles is better than El Phantasmo. And it seems as though Phantasmo will now be ahead of him in the pecking order with all of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the vignettes and the, the videos that they've been doing for months. Yeah, I don't know if they – do they know who El Phantasmo is? Because <laughs> they they're, they're really like – they love this guy, and it's like, all right, like he's, he's fine. I yeah, mean, I, but like, a wrestler. Are you guys um, sure? Like, is this really the guy that you want to like give the video to and give like a big spot to? Like, I again, like I, I don't hate the guy, but it's just like, all right, like if you guys think so, but I right. see a <laughs> like, lot. They see a lot in him, obviously. Which uh, okay, we'll see. <laughs> Shoot your shot, guys. I guess, but uh, okay, you know. But uh, but yeah, the other three, uh, you know, obviously tremendous. Uh, um, entrance people that people uh, uh, were clamoring for to be in the tournament, especially with Gresham and Bandito, uh, Robbie Eagles, and then uh, the, the old standbys. I'll run through them quickly: Bushi, Dragon Lee, Desperado, Flip Gordon, who debuted last year. Shingo is actually a first, well, he may have been in a Super Junior years ago, but effectively that's a debut and the new gimmick and all that. I don't even think he was ever in a Super Junior. He's a he's a debut too. He has to be. Uh, who is? Uh, look that up. Shingo. Has to be. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I forgot. Chingo. He, he seems like he's just been there forever. No, Shingo is also a debut. Uh, in yeah. the Super Junior. Sorry, because he uh, came in in what September last year. I want to say September, October. Another... So sorry about that. Yeah. yeah, he feels like just such a guy there. He feels like he's so established now that I, I, I think I forgot to put him as a debut. But yes, he that's is. That's another huge, huge debut. I mean, you know, that's your winner. Like that's your winner. Show, I think. We'll talk about it in a sec. But I think Shingo's winning this thing. So yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah. Show Taiji Ishimori, Takamichi Noku, Tiger Mask, uh, Marty Skrull, Rocky Romero, Rusuke Taguchi. <sighs> he could get lost for all of them because I really wish they'd replace him in these one of these years. Uh, Teton, Willow Spray, Yo, and my boy Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Um, Now let's look at this. When I look at this, I see some obvious people that need to be in the same block. Look no further than Shingo and Show. If Shingo and Show are not in the same block. <laughs> I take back all of the lovely things I have said over the years about uh, Gato. Uh, every single one of them, Rich. And I will join the Gato hate train. How about that? If uh, Shingo and Sho are not in the same block. I'll give you a couple more and then maybe you have a couple. I don't know. Um, Willow Spray and Robbie Eagles not only need to be in the same block. I'm sure Willow Spray is clamoring for it. He had the two great matches against Robbie Eagles in Australia. He basically got Robbie Eagles booked in the company. And I think Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles, if they're in the same block and they could have like a main event in Corkin or a main event on, 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 in one of the other buildings, but especially Corkin, he can make Robbie Eagles in one night because Absolutely. those guys I know are going to knock it out of the park and have an awesome fucking match. And Will Ospreay, and you know because of the kind of guy he is, is going to do everything in his power to get Robbie Eagles over and he'll probably lobby to lose the match. Um, you know, So they need to be in the same block. 
Yeah, that was my number one, by the way, is, is Osprey and Eagles. Because that, to me, feels like when, when it was Ricochet and Osprey, you know, and it was like, these guys, dude, like, you'd be so dumb if you don't put these guys in the same block because they're going to just have an incredible next-level match. You know that Will is saying it, and you know that they know it, too. So I, I would be I'd be stunned if these dudes aren't in the same block. It would be a, a, as much of a bad decision as not putting Sho and, and, and Shingo in the same block, not putting Will Ospreay and, and, and Robbie Eagles in the same block, too. It would be a monumental failure because that, like you said, is going to make Eagles in one day because Osprey's going to make sure that he goes out there and makes eagles in that one day and and that would just be that 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 would be circled as my match of the entire tournament too if it happens so yeah and then willow spray bandito i think have to be in the same block uh we saw that match at wrestlecon and i wanted to see it again and that's a match i would i i would love to see in cork and wall in a yeah. headline spot uh bandito and willow spray and then um you know, I'd like to see Dragon Lee in that same block too, but now I'm getting greedy. Yeah, well, I think what you can do, which is pretty cool, like my my dream scenario is that you have one block of like, you know, your Dragon Lees, your Banditos, your 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 Will Ospreys, your Robbie Eagles, or whatever, and then you can, you can really, I think this year more than any time, really muck it up too. If you want to just have like, because I'm all in on like Gresham and Taka and Kanemoro being in the same block. Oh just yeah, these, you know what I mean? Just these grimy, like you know, just you know Gresham Gresham Taka. Yeah, how that, awesome like, would that match be, that man? It has to happen, too, because, you know, Gresham will get off on that match. And he'll really be excited about that. And I think he's got Taka on his little list of guys. Right, right. So there, there's a way that you could really, like, yeah, of course, you're going to have to mix it up a little bit there. But I am all, I mean, I'm looking at those Gresham things. I want Gresham just mucking it up, just being grimy as fuck with Taka and Kanemoro and those guys. Like, so I am look, here look, for that. You're so right. Okay, so you could have Willow Spray. Robbie Eagles, Bandito, Flip Gordon, Dragon Lee. You know, have those guys in one block for sure. And then you can have Greshanaka, Shingo, Sho. Um, uh, you're not going to have Sho and Yo in the same block. You'd have Teton with the Flyers. Um, you stick Marty Skrull in there with Will. And then, yeah, and, and Kanemaru in, 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 like, the for lack of a better term, the grappler block. Uh, you could put Desperado in that grimy block. You're right. You can really yeah. Tiger oh, Mask. Tiger. Oh go my God, one. Gresham versus Tiger Mask. I, yes, listen, Tiger Mask. I like. Him I love it. He's just a grumpy. Yeah. He just doesn't want to be there, and he hates all of you because you're all younger than him, and and he's an old fart, and he just slaps the fuck out of everybody. He he works his ass off in this tournament every single year. I love it. Yeah, and he he's always like the first or second match out, and it never overstays its welcome, and it's always hard hitting. So absolutely, and Tiger Mask is another guy I'd like to see work with Gresham. So, yeah, you're right. You can really split this thing and have your flippy-doo block and then your grimy, grapple, hard-hitting block and really have a different dynamic from night to night. And I think that would be awesome. And I really think you're right that they could split that fucking thing right down the middle and really accomplish that. And now that we fired ourselves up... <laughs> no, it, it's you know, like it'd be Gresham and Teton so, and, and Bushi and Dragon Lee and Osprey and Eagles will be with... Yeah, it'll yeah. yeah, like, just be completely mucked up, but that's all right. Like Bushi and Taguchi and Rocky Romero, I don't care what they do with those Yeah, guys. you can throw... Yeah, those guys can go anywhere. It doesn't matter, but... I couldn't care less about Bushi. I couldn't care less about Taguchi. Um, Taguchi will have a couple good matches. Bushi, I have no use for. No, uh, Romero t-shirt wearing you know, geek out of here. Yeah, fuck him. He's I'm done with him. <laughs> Romero should just be, you know, look, he's fine. I like Rocky Romero, but you know, he's a manager at this point. But yeah, those other guys you can really split it and and and, and do a nice job with that. You're right. Now, as far as look, this final is in a giant building. Doesn't necessarily mean that the final match is, is expected to carry things because they could always supplement it with a big time 
tag match or even a big time singles match with the heavyweights. They could always do that. But I think the final that a lot of people are looking at is, some, first of all, getting Shingo in there somehow. I mean, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, I think almost everybody recognizes that you got to get Shingo in there somehow. The question is, who do you put him opposite of? The obvious answer for a final is you look at your biggest star, and that would be Willow Spray, who they've established as a heavyweight. But I think there's some other options there, too. What do you? What's your feel for the final? And the so I think, you know, I kind of spoiled it a little bit earlier, but my winner, I think, is Shingo because I think it's just at this point in Shingo's career, especially in New Japan, like you and I both agree, and we've talked about it from the moment he stepped into that company. His long term is going to be as a heavyweight, and I think it's going to be sooner rather than later that he's going to do it. But I think to establish him to get ready to make that leap up, he's got to just he. he I, I what I would have him do is win this tournament, win the title, hold the title for however many months you want him to win it or to hold it, and then when he loses it, he's kind of done with the juniors then. Then he kind of moves on and goes, all right, bye, I'm ready for the heavyweights now, and he, he moves off to the heavyweights, and, and, he, and he's done. But to establish that and to get him ready for the heavyweights, I think him you know, going through these best of the super juniors and, and looking like the dominant junior in, in this company and then winning the title, I think would go a long way in, in, in sort of establishing that. And we know that there's trending that direction too because this dude just never fucking loses. Commentary puts it over. Everybody knows it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this guy, the way they've built it, everything that they're doing is they're telling you this guy is a fucking star and this guy is going to be a heavyweight before long because he's dominating the juniors. So I think this is the perfect way to kind of cap that off because I think we're ready by next year to, to already have him up in the heavyweights. So I had him win this tournament, move on, win the title, and then whatever you want to do with him, you know, you know, at that point, you know, moving forward, you can do that as, uh, building up to him eventually moving to heavyweight sometime in the next six to eight months or whatever it's going to be. So I, I think he's almost like, I almost don't even have another pick for winner. Like, I, I don't know. Is that boring that I don't have another pick? Because like to me, I just can't fathom anybody else but Shingo. How about if you have another drawing match on the card, a predominant, like a, 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 a big singles match or a huge tag heavyweight match or something? What about Shingo and Show in the final? Now, look, no one's going to buy Show as a winner, but the match is going to be mm-hmm. heated, and they've clearly been building it. So, do you think maybe that's been the plan all along? Build that um... match for you. There's a possibility there, and I, I think it was pretty telling when you were watching some of these undercards, and, and there was uh, one of the matches, and it, like I didn't look at the cards, I was just kind of scrolling through, and I see, you know, Yo is by himself, and he's just kind of in this random tag match, and I'm like, what the fuck, where the hell's Show? Like, what the hell happened to Show? Did he get hurt or something? Because I had kind of been out of the loop a little bit, and then the next match comes up and Show's there, and he's, you know, squaring off with Shingo, and they're broken up, and that sort of stuff, and I think that, to me, was very telling. That, to me, was saying that there's... You know, I, I'm, I'm unfortunately going to have to lose my you know, three-year argument with you that show is going to be the guy that's going to be the star, not yo. I, I think I finally have to say that. But I think this tour showed us that they they, they think of show as, as maybe not a junior star, but a guy that can compete with the star of the junior division. Does that make sense? The guy that they think can be that sort of adversary if it's only for one night or if it's for an entire tournament with Shingo or whatever. So I, th- there's a real possibility, too, that you're right, that that maybe this is kind of the red herring, that they're not going to be in the same block, but that Sh- Show is going to kind of run through his block. Shingo is going to run through his block. And then these two dudes who have been at each other's throats can now battle for, for the best of the Super Junior you know, championship. That, that's a good theory. I, I, I like that. I, I, I tend to think that they're probably going to be in the same block, but. I like the idea too that you know that was sort of just a little bit of a tease to tell you that hey you know these guys are at each other's throats let's see what happens and then they you know they meet in the final so I like that idea too but uh, I think there's there's a reasonable case we made for that for sure. Are we all working ourselves into a shoot with Shingo? 
Maybe, Would you be but stunned if he finishes third. Uh, he's, he hasn't. He's not losing though. He's not losing to anybody. He's not taking any pinfalls. He's never. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, fall. like you can come up with like, oh, I think Dragon Lee's gonna win. And like, yeah, sure. But Shingo's gonna have to take falls. And like, I, I, you know, like who, who is Shingo gonna lose to in this tournament? I mean, maybe Ishimori. You could say that he he could potentially lose to him if he was in the same block as him. I, I look at other people, you know, maybe Will, maybe a Marty. But like in my brain, if you close your eyes, do you really see Shingo? Doing the job to to Marty Scroll, I don't. The way that he's been booked, like I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. It's gonna be interesting because he's never taken a fall, and he's gonna have to drop some falls here unless they go full on mega push route and he runs the table. Um, but is there a possibility we're working ourselves into a shoot with Shingo and he finishes third in his block? Maybe. Like, but I don't think. I don't. Case, think I don't think so. I, I don't. I really don't. Who else can win the tournament? Uh, Dragon Lee, I think, could, but he's As not champion. a... Yeah, or no, could no, Dragon sorry, Lee yeah. Win? Okay, well, here's the thing. Can Dragon Lee win as champion, and then Hiromu walks out? Right, and that that's where I come up with one... And that, again, that's another... That's an even different level of working yourself into a shoot. And that sort of assumes that Dragon Lee is, like, on that level. You, you know, because that's a big level to do, to be the champion that wins the tournament. Um, But Dragon Lee, Hiromu, is a Big time feud in yeah. the company across two right, companies. right, right. So okay, let's throw him in there. So Shingo can win, Dragon Lee can win. Who else could win? Uh, Ishimori? I think could win. Okay, I will give you that one. I think it would be boring, boring as fuck. Yeah, but <laughs> but he didn't get pinned. He lost his title and he wasn't involved in the fall, so they protected him there. And he's clearly a top level junior. I agree with you. He could win. Who else? I guess Will Ospreay, I don't like it because I think that he's sort of it, weirdly he's graduated from this to the point where he doesn't really need it. You know, that seems yeah. weird to say that like he does like he's better than these guys, but he can also lose to these guys because he will Ospreay, you, well, you know, in, propose, in the pick. Well, let me propose another question to you then. Yeah. Are we working ourselves into a shoot that he's going to be a G1 guy? Maybe. Is that a lock? I don't think it's a lock. Do I think it's likely? I, I do based on the trajectory. Would it it sure stun felt you? like it all year. It really felt like Let it all year. You, so I'd be I'd be surprised. Yeah. Would it stun you if he's not in the G one? It wouldn't stun me. It would disappoint me. But would it stun you? No, I don't think it would stun me. No, I mean I, I I'd be so then, surprised, but not stunned. Is that is that okay? Is there enough differentiate yes, <laughs> you know, between there is. surprised and stunned? I think we're all talking about it like it's a lock, and I don't know that it's a lock. That's the thing about it. Um, there's look clearly they view him as a heavyweight star, but you know they're slow with these things, so I, I can't call it a lock, and that's why I say I agree with you. He could win this, so that's four. I don't think there's anyone else. Do you think there's anyone else? <sighs> Marty is a no. I, I don't think there's no reason for that at this point. Marty's just kind of treading water. <laughs> a lot of the companies that he's in right now, so I, I guess you could make him as like a very very dark horse. Um, I think he has zero chance. Yeah, but but I would be pretty low on that. And then nobody else jumps out at me. Gresham's not going to do it. Eagles is going to do it. Romero, of course, isn't. Uh, Taguchi, you know, it had his hope year a few years ago, but that's not happening. Uh, I guess if they're re- like, depending on how, if they're really into the El Fantasma, like maybe, but like, good God, please don't do I, that. Well, that. Well, listen, I think we need but to. But it's not a zero. It's more than zero. It is definitely more than zero. I don't zero. think he's zero percent. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't put him as as one of the four that we think could win it. But I can't write them off because they seem to be really behind this guy. I mean, I'd give him a 5% chance to win it. 
it'd be bizarre. Um, but he, yeah, I think he's like the, the only other one that I can't completely write off. I don't think Bandito has any chance to win the tournament. No, I think he has a chance to be booked well, but I don't think he has a chance to win the tournament. I don't think the tag guys have a chance. So yeah, you got those four, and you know Phantasmo as you know the weird wild card thing. Um, I'd be stunned if he has like a losing record. They're not going to do all this for a guy who's going to go four and five. In my opinion, anyway. I mean, I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, it's interesting because I think with this year's tournament, we have situations where maybe we're taking things for granted that just aren't so. Shingo getting a mega push and Willow Spray going to heavyweight. It's just interesting to examine them from the, from the point of view of why are we taking these things for sure, granted? Right, right, no, right. No. Um, you know, and, and, and I could easily see a scenario playing out where Dragon Lee simply wins it as champion and then Hiromu makes the walkout because mm-hmm. that's his guy. That's his feud. That's the match that makes the most sense for Hiromu coming back. So I'm kind of talking myself into Dragon Lee, but I'm not going to make an official prediction. Yet. Yeah, I, I still How's probably am, am Shingo, but the more we've kind of talked through it, I could, I could see the Lee thing as well. I, I'm still probably... 75% in on Shingo, but but the other, the, you know, Dragon Lee has risen a little bit because I was probably 90% before we started this conversation that Shingo was going to win the whole thing. But uh, yeah, I, I could buy into a few of the guys and, and even even weirdly, like the 5% for Fantasmo too, like is, is, is strange. But I mean, hey, if, if that's your guy, but uh, uh, and I guess Will too, who, uh, who was probably a zero before this that now has risen up a little bit too. So I think there's maybe I, a little yeah, bit more contenders yeah. than we think, but here's the other thing too, even if they are moving them up. That's even more reason for him to win it. You can't have him losing the juniors. Right? I get, and that's what I mentioned with Will, where he's so weird, where he's a guy that's almost weirdly Teflon too, where it's like, you know, he could go, you know, four and five in this thing, but still you can but again, that's not how New Japan books. Like he's Will no Ospreay's he's going four and five. Well, that's what I mean. Like Will Ospreay could probably say, Hey, no, I want to lose to Titan, and no, I'll lose to Robbie Eagles, or yeah, I'll lose to uh, Gresham. And and they're probably like, No, you idiot, we're gonna put you in the G one. Like, you're not gonna lose to any of these guys. Like you're beating them all. Here's, like here's, I'm telling you right now. Here's who he can lose to. And it's a short list. Shingo. Dragon Lee. And because of the history, Marty Skrull. I don't think he can lose to anyone else in the tournament. Disagree? Right. No, no, you're, you're around the money there. I think so. Uh, I don't think he can lose to anyone else. I think losing to anyone else in the tournament is a bad look for a guy that you've had beat Kota Ibushi. You know what I mean? It's like, this is a guy you clearly see as a heavyweight star. He can lose to Shingo, he can lose to the champion, and he can lose to Marty Skrull. That's it. And Marty only because of history. He can lose that guy until the end of the time. That doesn't matter. So that's the way I see that, which means he, he can win unless he faces Lee or Shingo in the final. Right, right, right. I think he can lose a final and it doesn't really. No, I think anybody can lose the final. Like, I think Shingo can go to the finals yeah. and lose to Dragon Lee and he'd be fine. Like, as long as in the block play, you're dominant. And in the block play, you beat most of the guys that you need to beat. I think, like, what you do in the final, I think, is is largely irrelevant. I don't think, like, Shingo's dead or Will Ospreay's dead if they lose to, to whoever in the finals. Like, I think that, that to me, has never really mattered. But what you do in block play is, is, is obviously super important. 
be one more. I forgot about right, Taguchi right, right. can beat him too because it's Taguchi. And he's practically a heavyweight anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, it's great. This it's a great tournament's going to fucking rule. Even, even, the, mean, even the grime. Even the grime so I'm looking forward to. Man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at all the first-time matchups we're going to get and all the interesting shit that we're going to get. I mean, you know, I, 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 have high, I have very high expectations for this. So definitely looking forward to it. Rich, we have reached hour three, and we've got some uh, miscellaneous topics to get to. Do you want to start with all elite wrestling? Why don't we start there? Let's do I that. Think- yeah, let's check in with the uh, the boys. Because <laughs> we actually, well, here's the thing. I mean, we joked about it at the top of the show, but we finally have stuff to talk about. People wanted us to talk about all elite, but what were the, what the fuck are we going to talk about? Okay. And if you want granular all elite talk, there's a show on this podcast network that does a tremendous job getting very granular with all elite wrestling. Um, and you know, it, it's like, you know, it, those guys do a tremendous job. We are more big picture when it comes to this stuff and they really weren't giving anything uh, for us to sink our teeth into, but now they're promoting three shows at once. We've got double or nothing. Of course, the fighter, uh, fest on June 29th and fight for the fallen on July 13th. First things first, they're promoting three shows at once. I believe in the Paul Heyman, Gabe Sapolsky school of Promote what's in front of you. Do not confuse your, your, your customers or your market. The thing about it is I think All Elite Wrestling is in a unique position where they have to keep their names in the news, so I don't really have a problem with doing these three shows at once. Plus, Double or Nothing is already – you're really not worried about that one. So uh, where do you stand on that? Do you think that the attention is too spread out? Or are you okay with them with the path they've chosen? I, I don't love it because I'm kind of with you too that like promote what's in front of you, promote the the first show coming up and then worry about the other stuff. Because even when I was kind of compiling the the matches for this doc, I was like kind of all over the place in terms of like, all right, well, like, oh yeah, that oh that match is on fighter. Okay, I thought that one was on double or like I was a little confused too. And like, you know, I, I was a little taken aback by like, oh, okay, all right, that one's on double or nothing, that one's on fighter fight. Because I know all the matches, like all the matchups when I read them. I'm like, oh yeah, Cody and Darby Allen. Like, I forgot which one that was on. Like, if you told me, if you had a gun to my head and said, which which were these three shows is Cody and Darby Allen on? Like, I, I don't know that I would have been able to say Fighter Fest right off the top of my head. And so that was kind of a weird thing where, like, yeah, they've and it, it's just been strange. And then, like, the, a lot of the branding is very similar in terms of like what the logos look like and stuff. So I think like that's hurt a little bit in terms of. It, it, having that one clear direction, having that, hey, here's the show that we're doing. Okay, here's everything that we're doing for that show. There you go. Now we're ready for this next show after that. Like, I like that sort of style, but like you're saying, they also are in the business right now of hype and promotion. So maybe it makes sense to do as much as you can because they're not, until they run anything, this is what keeps their name in the news is announcing matches, announcing roster members, announcing shows, that sort of stuff. So I, I, I can't totally kill them for it, but I don't, I don't love it. I, I would prefer just to promote one show at once. So Double or Nothing looks more or less complete. And when I look at this show, I think it's incredible. I think it on paper, this has a chance to be a show of the year contender if a couple of the top matches deliver the way that they potentially can. And that would be Hangman Page versus Pac and Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho and the Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers. If those three matches deliver to their peak potential, you're talking about three four-star plus matches, a couple of potential match of the year contenders, and really you're playing with house money with the rest of the show. And the rest of the show, uh, you know, is a bit of a mixed bag, but for the most part looks pretty good. You've got SoCal Uncensored in a six-man match 
against Shima and, you know, two of his guys. We don't know which ones they're going to be yet, but I presume they're going to be two of his dudes, whether it's T-Hawk, whether it's a couple of his Chinese acrobats. We don't know who it's going to be, but I'm not really worried about that match. That's going to be a fun, you know, nine to ten minute match there. Right. I assume that's the opener or something, and they just go and fly around and jump around, and the acrobats just do their funny flips and all that sort of shit, which is fine. That's exactly what that match needs to be, so... And so yeah. Sunset is crazy over here. Like, again, we talk about it all the time. Like, it's shocking when you go to an arena and those guys are on the show and half the crowd's just doing like, I see you. And you're like, all right, like, I don't get it. I don't know when it happened, but all right, like, cool, whatever. Like, so, so that will be over in the building like fucking crazy. So for sure. Then you've got the match that we've known about for a long, long time. Uh, the women's three way with Britt Baker, Nyla Rose and uh, Kylie Ray. And they are, I guess, Britt Baker is Dr. Britt Baker. Yes. Actually. Uh, yes. They're playing into the uh, Dr. Isaac Yankum DDS deal with her. So she is a uh, wrestling dentist. And then we've got the uh, Battle Royal. Of course, we know some of the names. Sunny Kiss. Kip Sabian, Brandon Cutler, Ace Romero, Glacier, <laughs> Brian Pillman Jr., Sunny Days, MJF, Joey Janela, and then um, obviously a host of others. Some of those are contracted talent. Some of those are I like people like Ace Romero. I assume are they're they're going to take a look at. And then you've got Glacier, who obviously has the Georgia ties with Cody Rhodes and behind the paywall they may or may not have purchased a wrestling school down in georgia so who knows but glacier will be there and that's your battle royal and then uh rounding it out i guess the only one i haven't talked about is the one i wanted to save for last and that's cody versus dustin Rhodes, which was announced earlier this week uh dustin Rhodes worked everyone like don't believe the rumors joe <laughs> don't believe the rumors all these dirt rags they don't know shit <laughs> like all right <laughs> and then he did, in fact, leave WWE, and he's on his way. I love any time a wrestler tells you don't believe what you read. Hundred percent believe what you read because it's a high, like the batting average of don't believe what the dirt sheets are saying is literally a hundred percent that it is exactly what they're saying <laughs> every single time. Like clockwork, I love it. It's so great. Look, no one's expecting a great match to come out of this, but it's an obvious match to make. Oh the, yeah, uh, no, it'll be first- great. It'll be great. The video they used to introduce it was tremendous. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was really good stuff. And uh, look, you know, it, it's it's. I think it's an awesome addition to the show. So we'll see how it all turns out, where it goes from there, and if they get into a longer-term feud or whatever. But uh, the brothers will face each other. Rich, on paper, that card looks tremendous. It really does. I, and, 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 and Cody and Dustin, I'll, I'll give a little bit more to that, because like another, like Omega and Jericho, we know what you're going to get with that. The Lucha Brothers and, and, and the Bucks, we know what you're going to get with that. But Cody and Dustin, I think, really has a chance, very similar to Cody and Aldis at, at All In, to be that match that, like on paper, you read, and you're like, ah, yeah, it's going to be a you know f- good match, but whatever. But the emotion of, of seeing Cody and Dustin Dustin in there and now they have a few weeks to really build this feud up and really do a lot of stuff with this feud like you know if they want to really tackle into a lot of kind of the the, the, the deep personal uh, stuff of those two guys like they've not always seen eye to eye you know what I mean like there's been bumps in the road there's been highs and lows and it's just it's it's Dustin out of you know the WWE scope these days and it's it, it's Cody with his own like there's just a ton of stuff there there's you know it's obviously it's in Georgia and you got Las Vegas like you got you know just some backgrounds of like weird stuff with um you know, his, the, the dad and like with, with Dusty and like, there's a lot that they can do with this. They have a few weeks now to really make this that match that even if on paper and even if once the bell rings isn't one of those matches that like, you know, bell to bell is the best match on the show has a chance to really be the most emotional match on the entire show. And maybe perhaps the one that most people look forward to and most remember when the show is over. So I think that one, even though it's like, yeah, it, it I, no, is it going to be the best match on the show? Probably not. But is it one that we talk about 
after the most possibly I, re- I really do think so and I'm, I'm excited to see it i think they've done a good job in the build so far i think there's a lot of other directions they could go in a real deep uh, level if they really want to but like you said i don't know if this is the beginning of a feud the end of a feud or whatever but uh, i did see some people too and i uh, real quickly you know there were some people saying oh you, you, why do you do cody and dustin right off the bat like why don't you build it up like i think there's also this idea too of like hey dustin might not have a whole lot of bumps left in him like maybe just get this thing out of the you know do it now and then sort of see what you have and maybe you can build to this and they fight again later you know in july or they fight again later in september at all in two or whatever but i wouldn't wait on it you got it dustin's hot you know he's he just got out of there like you can announce it right away like I, i'm all for it i think it's a good idea to just go right to it no problem doing it now none whatsoever um, next up would be the Fighter Fest, and so far for that, the main event looks like it's going to be Kenny Omega and the Bucks versus Pac and the Lucha Brothers. So this uh, Bucks versus Lucha Brothers thing is going to continue on. I think everyone expects the Lucha Brothers to win the AAA Tag Team Titles back at Double or Nothing, and then these two teams will continue to go at it, possibly in two different companies. And that trio's match looks great. We've got Cody versus Darby Allen. Darby Allen, of course, uh, found his way out of his WWN contract and uh, has made his way to All Elite. So uh, good for him, fresh start for him. Uh, I saw Gabe Sapolsky really taking a beating for not, um, you know, uh, making WrestleMania weekend the Darby Allen weekend, which that may have been the plan long term if Darby hadn't wanted out. Right, I mean, exactly. I, I always read it that way too. Like anybody that knew anything could kind of tell that Darby and and and, and Gabe and Evolve, like you could just see from the booking pattern that it was obvious that these two guys were on different paths or whatever. You know what I mean? Like because everything was full steam ahead for Darby for for months yeah. and months and months. Hell, for a year. Uh, maybe two years. It felt like this was all culminating with Darby Allen becoming the face of, you know, Evolve or whatever. And then in Laboom, where he's over like crazy. Right. And then it just didn't happen, which may, but then it made sense because it was like, yeah, there there must be what, what it didn't make sense. But at the same time, it did because it didn't make sense is why it did make sense. You know what I'm saying? Like you knew that something was coming to a head there, that something wasn't seeing eye to eye because Gabe didn't wake up one day and go, you know what, Darby Allen? Nah. He's not very good. I don't like Darby Allen anymore. After two years of building up for this moment, it was obvious that there was something going on there. So, yeah. So uh, it'll be Cody and Darby Allen, and then uh, Jabali is back, of course, because this will take place at the uh, video game gimmick, and uh, he'll be taking on Nak- Nakazawa again. This time, Rich, it is a hardcore match. Hopefully, he doesn't um, blow his Achilles again. <laughs> Jesus, this guy, like, yeah. Right, right so fire, Jabali. Yeah. Jumping from New Japan to all week. Big news. <laughs> I think huge news. Uh, so we are not going to get a profile of him. Uh, you, you are not. You, I, presumably, at, at at the time of this, like you were not going to write a uh, profile for him for the uh, New Japan ebook, but he could jump again. You know, I mean, he's a hot free agent, so you never, you never know. know. Yeah, <laughs> he could parlay this into a huge deal with New Japan. So, and then uh, fight for the fallen. Two matches so far announced. The one that has everybody talking is Kenny Omega versus Shima. Uh, that's dude, gotta be a first dude, time. Match. Come on. Oh my ever, God. I can't recall them ever facing each other. So Can you imagine? Be, oh my God. That's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. Awesome. And then, uh, Brandy Rhodes versus Allie. Allie, of course, was murdered on impact. <laughs> and, uh, that was her write off. And, uh, she is now part of the all elite roster. And we'll take on Brandy Rhodes in a match that I don't think has anybody excited. So Not those really. are the <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I hope everybody has a very good time and enjoys themselves. It's, it's a, it's a show for a very good cause, but yes, uh, <laughs> Brandy and Allie. So the roster is really looking fleshed out and I don't know if you're going to see many more signings after this. They really have a loaded roster in terms of number of names. Obviously 
if big names become available, um, they're going to look into any big name. I'm sure they have made a phone call to Dean Ambrose. I am sure um, that, uh, you know, any, any relatively big name that comes across or gets released from WWE or gets released from TNA um, is going to come across the desk of uh, head of talent relations, Christopher Daniels, and uh, the multitude of vice presidents and Tony Khan, and they will look at them. But in terms of signing indie wrestlers, I wouldn't expect another huge influx. They no, have they have a lot of dudes. Like, I think people kind of laugh about the roster and like, ah, oh, yeah, what do they got? They're just a t-shirt company. But like, I don't think I quite grasped how big the roster was until we got ready to do this show and i looked and i went you know what they have like got a pretty good collection of guys and, and and guys in different like levels too you have your kind of you know lower level you know you know lower mid card you're not, not necessarily jobbers i don't think they have any jobbers but they can just grab people from local you, you know to, to do that or fill out cards or whatever but like you you can kind of see the structure here you can see the upper mid card you can see your main eventers you can see your mid carters and it's just kind of it, it's it's a little bit more of a robust roster than I even thought it was uh, until I really kind of looked it down and put it on yeah. paper. And you know, a quick way to get me to ignore you on Twitter and disregard any opinion you you will ever have is saying that ratings don't matter. Another way to get me to completely ignore you uh, and disregard your opinions is to say that this is a t-shirt company. <laughs> yeah, we need to it's just such a stupid this t-shirt I mean, company they sells they sell a, a lot of, t- of tickets. Yeah, this, this t-shirt company says they're coming to towns and sells a lot of tickets. So they're 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 a very efficient t-shirt company, I should say. So, so I will run through the roster. Um, I will stop at various points to possibly discuss anyone who looks interesting, but um, a lot of these are obviously well-known. Some may be news to some people. We've got Hangman Page. We've got Brandon Cutler. And you got to remember, you're building a roster here. Not you everyone needs to be a, yeah. you need You need mid-carders. You need prelim wrestlers. You need long-term prospects. You need headliners. You need tag team wrestlers. So you got to keep that in mind when you look at the roster. They're building a roster. They're not trying to collect all-stars. Uh, Chris Jericho, Christopher Daniels, uh, Chuck Taylor, uh, Shima, Cody, Darby Allen, uh, Dustin Rhodes, Frankie Kazarian, uh, Isaiah Cassidy, Jimmy Havoc. What do you think of Jimmy Havoc being brought into? Uh, that's that's a real interesting one. Yeah, because he's you know he was announced pretty early, and then you haven't seen or heard a whole lot from him. And obviously, we haven't mentioned his name there in any of those cards. Like he's a guy that's strange because I think that that he would be. You know, he's a guy that I don't really love watching work, but I think is a valuable member of that roster because you can do a lot of different things with him and you can have different style matches with him too, which I think is going to be important uh, as, as as well. So I, I like the Jimmy Havoc signing. It's just, what's weird is that it's been kind of, you know, he was announced pretty early and then we really haven't heard a lot from him or about him since then. So I, I, I don't know what the deal with that is exactly, but. I think Jimmy Havoc's unique and I, I would sign him in a second. I, I would have no hesitation. I think he's 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 very useful and someone that you can utilize in um in a bunch of different ways. I yeah, I think he's a no brainer. Joey Janela, Jungle Boy, Kenny Omega, Kip Sabian, Mark Queen, uh, Matt Jackson, MJF, Michael Nakazawa, an official member of the roster. How about that? I know it's it's so weird. Yeah, I, I, that was the shock of all shocks to me is that you know he signs with AEW and then Abushi just like you know a few weeks after says yeah you know I'm New Japan for life now because it's like damn Abushi lost his like two dudes like they're they're both AEW uh, and 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 Nakazawa just being full on AEW was was odd to me too because I never would have expected this guy to just like be full time with all elite wrestling. It's just strange, right? Got a T-shirt, <laughs> sort of, I guess. It just says Nakazawa on the front in white letters. 
I guess I respect the simplicity, uh, but yeah, I don't know who would ever buy that shirt. But hey, you know, someone. Imagine. <laughs> Nick Jackson, Pac, Pentagon Jr., Pretty Peter Avalon. Um, what do you think of this librarian stuff, Peter Avalon? My concern is I think with the people who are running the company and some of the names I'm seeing and some of the stuff I see on their YouTube show, I have a legitimate fear that this company is going to lean a little too silly for my taste. And I, I look, I get that being the elite is a different animal and it's always been that way. But, and I, I concede that there's room in pro wrestling for some of this stuff. But after all of Cody and Tony and their talk of win loss records and serious competition and doing things different, I, listen, no offense to Peter Avalon, but this librarian stuff does nothing for me. I got no use for it. And uh, Peter Avalon's a comedy wrestler. And a lot of, and, and, and I just, you know, with the Kenny Omega influence and, and the way being the elite is a lot of times and, you know, the, the fucking dick party that they had at All In and Joey Ryan, who's obviously going to be a part of this. I think that's a lock. Um, I don't know. Is there a fear that All Elite Wrestling can lean a little bit too silly? Absolutely. We, we talked about it on Twitter a little bit uh, a, a few days ago as well. I, I do worry a little bit. I, I really do because, and 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 we had discussions with people and arguments. And this is another big picture topic that we could probably get to another day. But the idea that wrestling has to be this variety show and there has to be something for everybody, and you have to have good wrestlers and and good technical matches, but you also have to have comedy and you have to have this and you have to be there and you got to do like we all say that we all say that wrestling has to be a variety show, but it doesn't. Like it could wrestling can be a wrestling show can be one structured thing. It could be good matches. It can be you know top stars having you know good matches it could be just top stars it could be it could be whatever you want it to be it's pro wrestling but the idea that it always has to be a variety show and that if you don't have comedy then you're not really a true wrestling show that you're you're not going to get the casual fans unless you have some comedy in there and you have some goofiness and you have some silly and all that sort of stuff and i just don't buy that it's just the thing that we say and we just say it because wwe has said it for years and we just say well wwe does it and and so yeah wrestling's got to be a variety show it doesn't have to be a variety show. It can be whatever you want to do. And that where that's where I'm I'm a little bit worried too, because like you said, you have Cody and Khan and a few of those guys talking about how how you know they're gonna kind of be old school about this, wins lost records are gonna count. But then you also, yeah, like you said, you have that being the lead influence, you have Omega who's a little bit goofy and and, and stuff. And yeah, I think that the idea the, the idea of having a little something for everybody makes sense, but you do also want to make sure you don't make it tongue-in-cheek you want this to be a serious alternative to wwe that is at the end of the day what you want to do is say here's what they do and here's what we do doing what they do and and structuring your show the way that they structure their show i don't think is a positive thing i think you look at them and go okay what does wwe do that people that laps fans that new fans or whatever aren't you know aren't aren't buying into what 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 is what is what is causing that barrier of entry to, to those fans what we need to do is do the opposite of that and get people to start to watch this to have the last fans say you know what the WWE shit is is this it's that it's whatever i'm gonna watch these guys i want to see what these guys do so the people saying that well oh you have to follow this structure you don't the, the op- you have to do the opposite you have to not follow the structure of what everybody else is doing and be unique and be different and and, and stand out in the crowd and having you know equal parts comedy and fun and tongue-in-cheek and hot yeah yeah like that that stuff kind of i don't know it bothers me maybe we're jim Cornette's at this level but like i just want a company where dudes want to fight each other where, where women want to fight each other and they just want to win and they want to win titles and they want to you know what i mean like i i just want yeah. that i don't want librarians i don't want leva bates doing third rate fucking cosplay i don't want dick parties i don't that stuff's fine it's whatever 
But I think AEW has such a good opportunity to, 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 to break the mold and be different than what we've seen from major American wrestling over the last you know 20 years. And to me, if you just go into like, hey, it needs to be Yaha funny time sometimes. Like, I don't know. You don't need that. I really don't think you need that. So it's not what I want out of AEW, but I fear that it's probably what it's going to be. It's going to be a variety show. It's going to be a little something for everybody. But I'm hoping it's more what All In was, which was you had your dick party and all that sort of stuff. But almost everything else was serious business. You know what I mean? Everything else except for the Joey Ryan thing was kind of and yeah. like, yeah, being the elite was kind of the funny Yaha stuff. And some of the stuff on YouTube was 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 funny. But the show itself was pretty damn serious for the most part. It was guys just going out there and trying to win the matches. I'm hoping that's what more of it is. But I don't know. Some of the signings, your, your Peter Avalons, your, your you know, your, your Leva Bates, your librarians, like that has me yeah, a little worried. You know, the thing about it is I'm not asking for 1990 old Japan. You know, I think there's room for some stuff. My fear is they lean in a little too hard. That's my fear. You know, I'm not saying there can't be any silliness. Would it be my preference? Sure. Is it going to kill it for me if there is? No. And, and but I, I just I, I I do fear though that the lean could be a little heavy. Right. And I think that you you're right to be worried because we had an entire WrestleMania weekend that like 75 percent of the shows were like yes. wink wink nudge nudge ha 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 you know what I mean like and that's fine like I I'm fine with a few shows being that but this weekend I mean this WrestleMania weekend. And I went back and watched a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about a little bit when we talk about independent wrestling TV. Like I went back and watched a lot of stuff, but so much of the shows were like, <laughs> "Look at this!" Like, hey. tongue in cheek, like, oh, tongue in cheek, irony bullshit. Right, which is like is fine in small doses, but this entire week, like so many shows I watched was just like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of silly, right? And we were like, "All right, like, yeah," but like all these other eight shows were like, <laughs> kind of funny, right? Like. I, you know, enough of that. <laughs> like, when Chikara was like the third most serious show of the entire weekend. Like the that Chikara show rocked. They were just like Chikara like, show was good. There were stakes on that show, man. You know what I mean? That was serious fucking business. And it's we're in a we're in a state where Chikara comes out this weekend and has like serious built feuds and matches. And then, like everybody else, just does kind of like, ah, like who's this guy? Like he's kind of silly, isn't he? Like, um, yeah. so it's 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 bizarre. But yeah, we'll talk about the Chikara show in here. Well, in a bit, I'm, so. I'm, I'm I'm of the belief that the tongue in cheek irony stuff that seems to have taken over indie wrestling is a result of the thinned out talent, sure. and we just don't have talented as many talented wrestlers as we used to have on the indie scene. That's going to piss people off, but I believe that, and you know, it, it, and 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 I think that's it's it's what the promoters have to do to get by. And I think that it is popular right now, but I think it's it's a trend, and um and and a short term one. And I think I was right on the money when when I said that wrestle fuck would be a short term trend, and uh, and the grapple fuck stuff, and um and it proved to be, and and I think that this irony tongue in cheek stuff will not last the test of time either. I think that at the end of the day, people want to see good wrestling, and um you know and 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 it'll swing back in that direction when we find new stars who can go as opposed to, you know, pushing guys who, who are just happen to be left over because they haven't been able to sign anywhere. And, you know, uh, and, and, and what they do well, isn't, you know, bell to bell wrestling. So um, anyway, swinging this back to all in, We'll run through the, uh, uh, where did I leave? I left off at Nakazawa. So Nick Jackson, Pac, Pentagon Jr., Peter Avalon's where I left off. Uh, Ray Phoenix, Sammy Guevara, Scorpio Sky, Sunny Kiss, and of course, Tremperetta. And then the, the women's roster to this point is is pretty substantial too. That's a I great mean, women's roster, man. Like if you look, there's like, they're, they're not all bangers, but man, there's some 
big names on here that again like i didn't really quite grasp until i put it down on paper and i'm like yeah, they got a lot of good talent on here some interesting talent too unique talent in a lot of ways uh Aja Kong, Ali, uh <laughs> Aja Kong, you know what I mean? Like you just kind of casually Aja Kong, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know how full time she's gonna do I know, I know, yeah. to a deal or I, I, I don't think know. so, but I don't know. Yeah, it, it's hard to say at this point. Uh B Priestley, uh, which of course Willow Spray's uh girlfriend. I don't believe they're married. I think it's his girlfriend. Uh Brandy Rhodes, of course, Dr. Britt Baker, Hikaru Shida, Kylie Ray, Leva Bates, the aforementioned Nyla Rose, uh Penelope Ford, Sadie Gibbs, and Yuka Sakazaki. Now here's the thing. Okay. The other thing that people always come back with when you say I just can't take all the silliness. Well, wrestling needs characters, Joe. Wrestling needs characters that people can well, when did characters automatically become comedy yeah funny irony bullshit <laughs> it's like you're saying like is, is minoru suzuki a, a good character does he have a good character is he someone who's distinctive and brings character to the table is nick gage a good character is he someone distinctive who you could either relate to or you can understand his motivations or or is he unique is becky lynch a character i mean i could go on and on when did all of a sudden like the elimination of comedy and irony and tongue in cheek and all this bullshit mean you're eliminating characters. Okay. I, I, I don't understand why that became, you know, you gotta be funny. You gotta be silly. If you're going to have any kind of character in wrestling, that kind of stuff used to be relegated to the prelims. And I think it's fine in the prelims. And I really think it's moved up the card out of necessity and not because it's something that's going to be a long-lasting um, top-of-the-card deal in pro wrestling. I don't believe that. I don't believe that you need to be silly and goofy in order to be a character in pro wrestling. I think that's utter, complete bullshit and nonsense. Uh, so I just wanted to make that point, too, uh, before we moved on. But um, that's your a uh, AEW catch-up. And, of course, they've hired some front office personnel and announcers. Alex Marvez, uh, old-school pull there from the old figure four weekly days uh, when he was a regular contributor there. Alicia Tout, who um, was quietly let go from Impact. Um, a lot of people don't know the full story there. She had complained that she wasn't being used enough. She complained publicly on Twitter and impact let her know politely that, okay, well then you will, your services are <laughs> and you're not needed at all. You, yeah. you can go away. And I think that, look, I look, Alicia tout, she's fine. I honestly don't see what separates her from a bevy of other interview people. I don't get it. Um, now when she's doing wrestling interviews, I know she does her legitimate interviews for her own website and things like that. I don't even know if she's doing that stuff anymore. It started off as a music thing. Then she started interviewing wrestlers where she does like legitimate shoot interviews. That's a different deal. But in terms of a backstage interviewer, I don't know. Do you get it? Because I don't get it. I no, not quite. But she's got a. I, I think a lot of it is she's got a big following on her own. She does have a following. That's fair. And that's I think fair. that's it. Like if you could just grab some random person to throw a mic in someone's face. But I think for her, it's a lot of it is like, you know, she's she's in equal parts promoter as well in a lot of Excellent. ways because she has a big follower whereas yeah you could grab random woman number you five off the streets right. that can say can do you think you can beat kenny omega and then like you know you know even like one of those you, know, you could do whatever he does and grab some random person off the street but i think to them she's equal parts promoter and backstage interviewer so i i, I from that standpoint she's uh, she's definitely a net positive because she does promote very well yeah 
you've convinced me. It's better than hiring some random model because she already has a following. You're right. Uh, Excalibur, of course, uh, as a commentator. Hugo Savinovich. Jim Ross, of course, who we were all scared was going to be a mainline commentator, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. I have no problem with Jim Ross in some kind of office capacity. I had a much bigger problem with him if he's going to be your lead play-by-play guy. I think that would have been a mistake. Um, yeah, I, I mean, then, I'll be I'll be honest. He doesn't need to be on the mic at all. I think uh, I think he's showing his ass these last few years in terms of modern wrestling. So I'm kind of I, I did not like that hire. I think that hire is kind of back ass uh, backwards. So I don't know. I look look in terms of I, I, do, do I think people are going to watch every week to listen to Jim Ross call matches? I think that stuff is very overrated. I don't know about you. Um. You know, so I, I I'm kind of with you. I don't mind him in some kind of advisor role. That I don't mind. He obviously has a wealth of experience that he can bring to the table. And then uh, Justin Roberts is the uh, is your ring announcer. Now the counter to that, of course, would be that Jim Ross helped sell Wrestle Kingdom Nine. Um, the difference there is, I think that that was a foreign product. You're gonna have unsure casuals like, ah, do I really want to watch this Japanese thing? Oh, but Jim Ross is a familiar name. This is all elite wrestling that is loaded with stars that people are familiar with. Are people really turning on for Jim Ross? That's what I mean. I don't know. I don't buy I, it. That, that, maybe they're buying into the, that that he is that important name, and and maybe maybe there's a few of my you know casual fan friends that are like, hey, Jim Ross is gonna be there. I just don't know that he still has that sort of cachet that he did even a few years ago. We're talking about Wrestle Kingdom. What would you say, Wrestle Kingdom Nine? Right. I mean, that was a yeah. lot. That was many years ago. Like he, I think in in the years since he's he's lost a little bit. I think his commentary has been a lot worse. I think his his just his general take on on modern wrestling, I think, is a lot worse. And and yeah, you're 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 bringing him in there because you want Laps fans to go, oh hey, Jim Ross, I'm gonna go watch this. But like, I think you don't have to tell Laps fans, oh Jim Ross, you could say, hey Laps fans, here's all these other people. You know what I mean? Like like you're saying, I think you can't tell Laps fans, you can't tell Laps fans, hey, it's Okada and Tanahashi because they don't know what the fuck that means. They don't know what say, exactly. hey, Jim Ross. But here you could say, oh, okay, Laps fans, Chris Jericho. <laughs> you know, that's boom. There you go. Come on, Kenny Omega, you've probably heard of him you might know about him the young bucks like there's no, enough of those guys that bridge that gap that you don't need the hey jim ross is here like but i think if AEW needs jim ross they're in trouble right i agree that, and, th- and yeah. that's why that signing was so and to make it like again if he wanted to be a senior advisor whatever but the idea that we're going to put a mic in front of him to me means that they think that they need him and i don't think that they need him the same way what that about they think this, they do. how about this silly idea there's a lot of people saying that you don't want your commentator wearing a mask. I don't think that matters either. Oh, who fucking cares? Dude, he's awesome at commentary. It's pro wrestling. It's fucking wrestling. Who fucking... I've ne- what? <laughs> That's a thing, Rich. People are oh talking Oh my god. Why? Who cares? I agree. I just wanted Jesus. to see what you thought about it. Oh god. It's pro wrestling. <laughs> well, this and has no air of respectability. <laughs> man's wearing a yeah, mask. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Someone's going to turn the channel from their, their pro wrestling because uh, the, the commentator, which you might see for 30 seconds, is wearing a mask. Jim Russell wore a freaking cowboy hat every year, every day of his life. What? Who cares? There's a man with a literal king's like, yeah. like crown. <laughs> You're right. There's a fucking king sitting at the desk at the other company with a cra- with a literal crown. Yes, you're right. But we're worried about this guy wearing a mask in pro wrestling. I mean, it's so silly. And then uh, veteran ring announcer uh, uh, Justin Roberts. Listen, you can't have a commentator wearing a mask, but you can have uh, a dozen inflatable dicks walking down to the ring. <laughs> right. That's fine. But we draw the line at the commentator wearing oh my a mask. God. I'd lose my mind. I thank God I haven't seen this. Thank God I haven't seen those tweets. Don't send them to me. Don't don't send them to me. I'm gonna be upset. 
I'm pretty sure it was Dave. Oh, what did it kind of get out of here? I, listen, I listen, I can't. It was either I don't know if Dave was endorsing it, but I know Dave was talking about the idea that there was talk that a a color commentator with a mask could be a turnoff to potential um uh networks and things of that nature. So I all I'm saying is I think it came from that corner of the world. I think it's absurd. But um anyway, that's the all elite wrestling talk that some of you were clamoring for. And uh, I guess what? We gave it a good 40 minutes. Yeah. So uh, we spent some good time on that. Um, Let's do this Beyond Stuff, the Uncharted uh, Territory television show, which they're airing on independent wrestling TV. This has been going on for a month now. They've got an 18-week deal. So there's about, what, I guess uh, 14 episodes remaining of the Uncharted Territory. This is airing on uh, independent wrestling TV. Uh, you it, what is it nine ninety nine a month for nine ninety nine a month yeah and there, there's actually a a promo going on too with Beyond they mentioned it a lot during the show that if you use I think promo code Uncharted uh, Uncharted uh, you, you get twenty days for free so you get twenty days to kind of try it out uh, and then yeah nine ninety nine a month okay and, uh, so the show airs live on Wednesdays so if you time it right your twenty days you can get three of these for free yeah live so subscribe if you if you're in, subscribe on a Wednesday then you'll get three right yeah the math's right on that. So you would get three for free. If you if you subscribe on a Thursday or Friday, you're only going to get two for free. So if you time it right, you can get uh, three of the live shows. This airs live every Wednesday at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central, and it goes two hours. Rich, I have seen all but one. I think you have seen at least one yeah. uh, episode. Uh, they do have them on demand as well. I have watched them live. It works out good for me on Wednesday nights because it comes on 7 o'clock Central. That's when I'm cooking dinner. I cook dinner every night. I throw the laptop up on the counter when I'm chopping my fucking onions and I watch this Uncharted show. And I got to be honest, right up front, I will tell you, and you know this, the listeners probably know this as well. I'm not a big fan of Beyond Wrestling. I never have been. They lean a little too heavily on the intergender stuff for my taste. I don't like intergender wrestling. I'm not a big fan of it. Beyond loves the intergender wrestling. Um, they've leaned a little too heavily into some of the silly stuff that we've talked about in the past. Beyond is a promotion that I will watch American Rana uh, every year. I will watch uh, some of their hyped matches. It's not a promotion that I dislike, but it's not in the promotion that's near the top of my pile either, if that makes sense. It's always kind of just there. I don't like a lot of the matchmaking and Beyond. We get along with Drew Cordero great. He answers all our questions. We talk to him sometimes. He's very cordial whenever we want to talk to him. And I know he won't take that personally. I'm just not a huge fan of Beyond. I, I'm just kind of indifferent on it. With all of that said, I really think that this Uncharted territory has been tremendous. Um, it, the one thing I like about it is it's a two-hour block. And this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment. It's not meant to be a backhanded compliment at all. I mean this in the best way possible. I think the structure of a regimented two-hour block, which forces them to be structured and hit their timing cues and all those sorts of things, is like the best thing ever to happen to Beyond and would be the best thing ever to happen to just about every indie out there. I love the fact that there's the structure of the two hours and that it's formatted like a TV show and that it forces them to be disciplined and structured. And I think I have to give them a ton of credit from episode one. They've done. I expected this to be disorganized. I expected them to run over on time. I expected this to, to the production to be shit. 
I expected them to have a lot of growing pains early, and from episode one, it's gone off without a hitch. I mean, they had some minor streaming issues one week, which I think they took way too hard. It was very minor. It was in the first half hour. Uh, otherwise, it was fine. But man, I think indie wrestling could use this kind of structure. And I love the fact that it's a two-hour wrestling show that doesn't attempt to copy Monday Night Raw, which every other wrestling show attempts to copy Monday Night Raw to some degree. Very limited backstage stuff. Very limited in the way of vignettes. Very limited in the way of forced comedy. Very limited in... It's just a a two-hour show where... Drew is on record as stating he tries to have a minimum of 90 minutes of wrestling in those two hours. Mm -hmm. And remember, Rich, there's no commercials. So it's a a straight 120 minutes of content. Okay? So it's more content than Impact. It's more content than SmackDown. It's nearly as much content as Raw. Okay? Because there's no commercials. And he is committed to 90 minutes of wrestling. Bell-to-bell action. No other bullshit. And I like that. It doesn't feel like it's trying to be right. raw, which is a big problem with a lot of other TV. So that's what I like about it. I love the structure. It's, it, it feels so much more disciplined and structured than your typical Beyond House show. It really does. And I think that's a huge advantage. I think it helps harness in some of the bad indie habits. And again, this is going to come off backhanded. And people might get mad at me. I don't know. But I mean it as a compliment. It forces them to stay disciplined and stay regimented. And that's the one thing that's jumped out at me in terms of the structure of the show. What were some of your impressions of the episode that you watched? Uh, well, one thing I will bring up to you when, when you talk about the kind of the structure of the show and the fact that you you have this two-hour window and, and whatnot. There's times when I was kind of watching this episode wondering that, do they really need two hours? Like, would they maybe be better with 90? I think, I think one hour would be too chaotic and too much. And I understand like the getting this all together and, and, and getting everybody in the crowd and just doing a one hour show is, is, is too short. I do wonder if 90 minutes is probably better, but, but, but regardless, if it's the two hour block, which is what they're doing, which is perfectly fine with me, you know, you said, I don't know if guys would get mad at you or whatever. I don't think any promoters would be mad at you. Cause I think the hardest thing for a promoter to do is tell a guy, Hey, you got 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Hey, you got five minutes, but this is a, an ability to really say, all right, we need, you know, you, we have two hours here. You guys are good. You know, you go 20 minutes. You have a great match. Hey guys, you know, your, your, your in rings, maybe not as good. Go five minutes, you know, get in there and cut a promo and, 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 and do a quick little match. Like that, that's such a problem that, that I've watched with American Indies is that I feel like everybody thinks that they need 20 minutes. And guys, don't. You really don't need 20 minutes. You, you, some guys are just perfect with four minutes. Some guys are just fine with five, six minutes or whatever. But when you sit down and, and people pay their money to watch an indie show, it's become the idea now that you're going to be there for three and a half hours or four hours or whatever. And it doesn't need to be that. It doesn't need to be this bloated show. Not everybody needs 40 minutes. Not everybody needs 20 minutes. Like, so I, I think promoters would probably agree with you that it would be great if they could go to a show and say, hey, look, guys, we have two hours. Let's keep this nice and tight. Boom, let's get out of here. Like, I think everybody would like that. And I think, as you said, it forces the wrestlers to do what they do best, to accentuate the positives, and to not do a bunch of bullshit. And I think that's what I found from this one episode is that it wasn't, everything was done in the ring. And I, 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 it, it annoys me so much with, with with pro wrestling these days, where there's so much shit happening backstage, and 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 and, and you know, interviews doing backstage. Everything at Beyond happens in the ring. Guys get in the ring, they grab a mic and they talk. Guys come out of the ring, they talk. They, they if they're gonna talk, and if there's gonna be shit that happens, it all happens in the confines of the ring. It's not a bunch of people sitting back watching pre tapes and all that sort of stuff. It, it all happens in the ring. So to me, it it, it feels. And I like this aspect of it. It feels like classic TV wrestling. Like I watched that show and I was like, this is, this is classic 
you know, old school TV wrestling. You know, this is 605 Live or, or 605 Live, Jesus, 605 Saturday Night shit. You know what I mean? Like that that sort of it, it just it feels like that. It's a small room, kind of a small atmosphere. It feels very communal, but it's not bullshit. It's just like boom, here we go. Here's our time slot. Guys are gonna you know cut some promos before the match. They're gonna have a match and they're gonna go out and then we're gonna get to the next match. It's just, it, it, it's it's just nice and tight, and I like that aspect of it. So so I'm definitely gonna check it out again. Like I only saw this one episode. I haven't gone. I didn't watch the previous episodes because I was like you. I thought, oh, geez, here we go. It's going to be just this chaotic thing, and the production's going to look like shit, and it's just going to be. And that's nothing against Beyond as much as it is against all of American Indies. Is I just don't trust them to be structured and to have that sort of, you know, good cameras and good looking cameras and all that sort of stuff. So that that was my worry. But now I watch this episode, and I'm like, oh, holy shit! Like they got their their stuff together. Like this format is tight. Uh, it's a live show, and they know it. But everybody's hitting their cues, and everyone's doing their shit. And it's like, yeah, okay. I could see myself watching this. Like, I don't know that I'm going to watch live all the time, but on demand, I, I yeah, nice, cool two hours of wrestling. I'm, I'm down. And just because it's new, you expect some growing pains, but it's been shockingly organized um, from day one. I don't know. I mean, you could probably count the, on, your, on one hand the amount of indies that could could do this. So, so credit to Beyond. Like, because if you said, hey, tomorrow, Indie X, you got a two hour live show, boom, let's go. Like, it's going to be chaos. It's going to be absolute, yeah. absolute fucking anarchy back there trying to figure that out and format it. So credit and to them, you, man. And you know what? Maybe there is chaos going on, but it's not reflected on <laughs> It screen. doesn't look like that's it, yeah. What matters. And that's what's important. To the viewer, uh, there's no chaos whatsoever. And the wrestling has been solid. And look, again, it's beyond, so not everything lands with me. But a shockingly large amount of it has landed with me. I love the Discovery Gauntlet. I love that. Oh, what a great gimmick. Oh, my and, God, I love it. I'm going to go back and watch some of the old ones, too, now that I know. You know, I know who's, you know, kind of progressed, but I love the idea. It's a great idea. And, and Mick Moretti is basically the breakout star of the show. Okay, this is a, a, an Australian wrestler. I've, you know, I've obviously seen him because I follow the Australian scene. But I don't know how many people were following this guy before this Beyond show. And uh, he's been beating these the, the Discovery Gauntlets, like these young up-and-coming wrestlers, and beating them week after week. This week, he finally lost to uh, to someone. And I've ne- I'm not familiar with any of these guys, and that's what I like about it, to someone named L.D. Mantis Montesanti. I don't know who this guy is, but he finally knocked off Moretti, and I think Moretti has been one of the bright spots and potentially the breakout star. I love the Discovery Gauntlet. Each show, there's been at least one or two matches that I've thought were were excellent matches. Uh, there's some stuff that you know I haven't liked and hasn't landed with me, but that's just the promotional style and you know some of the intergender stuff and um, you know some of the comedy stuff. They used Puff this week, and I understand they brought in the Buffalo Crew. And so, he, but you know I have no use for a guy like Puff. And I, look, I get it. That's just not for me. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not for someone else. Um, but yeah, I think Mick Moretti has been a standout. I think the Discovery Gauntlet has been a standout. And Rich, I know you watched this week, but uh, our good pal, Brandon Howard slash Thurston. Brandon Thurston when he's, you know, bell to bell in the ring against Jay Freddy. Am I nuts for going well over four stars on that? Nah. That match was fucking awesome. And look, we, we know Jay Freddy's a veteran indie guy. He goes on Japan tours. He's good. Brandon Thurston, he's a wrestling trainer. We know his fundamentals are going to be great. I've seen him wrestle before. He's, you know, the suplex, uh, you know, the, the fucking exploder suplexes and, and all that shit that he specializes in. But these two guys just work together so well. And this was uh, as good as almost any match I saw over WrestleMania weekend, if you want a comparison point. I loved this J. Freddie Brandon Thurston match. It was phenomenal. What did you think of this thing? 
I loved it, man. I went. You, I think you went four and a half. I know you threw it in the notebook. You were not nuts because I went four and a quarter. I was just a little bit under you, but yeah, just a great match. I think that you know, I, I talked about it with a bunch of people because I was like, you know, I, I saw you talk about it the night prior. That like, oh my god, people have to watch it because you watched it live, and and I was really pissed that I couldn't watch the VOD immediately. And some people said, ah, yeah, sometimes the Uncharted VOD, you know, it's like a day or two. And I was so mad that I couldn't watch it before uh, the show. And then they announced like, hey, we got the VOD up right away, and I was like, yeah, here we go, baby. Uh, so I watched it this morning, and man, I loved it. Like. Great selling. I think the selling throughout w- w- was awesome. You had Jay Freddy go for a uh, diamond dust, uh, and Brandon just kind of drop kicks him right in the the elbow, and now he sells the elbow the rest of the match. Brandon is getting his back worked over the entire match, and those both play directly into the finish, where Jay Freddy can't do the full sharpshooter because he can't use his other elbow, but so he has to lean back and kind of sit on the ground and, and do the sharpshooter with one arm, but then Brandon's back's been ravaged the entire match, so then that the fact that he has to sit down on the sharpshooter makes it that much worse, and and then he taps out, and it's just like, oh, dude, like grit. I love selling when it plays into the finish, man. Just, oh my god, I love that stuff. But then in between that was like hard as fuck strikes, throwing bombs. You got Brandon out there looking like Junaki, <laughs> tossing and yes! suplexes. Like, what the fuck? Like, just big bombs. Yeah. The big <laughs> bombs. What about the belly to belly off the top rope? Oh, yeah, it was great. What about Brandon just dropping this dude on his neck? Yeah, I was like, Brandon, you trainer, you're dropping this guy on the top of his fucking head all the time, man. Jeez. If you're looking for a match with big bombs, look no further. And then it had all the other elements Rich is talking about with the tremendous selling and then the great finish. And you know with these two guys, you're going to get a well-worked, uh, logical, smart, psychology-filled match, and that's exactly what they gave you. Plus, it had action and big bombs. You can't beat that. I mean, this match was just blew me away. I mean, I knew I was expecting a nice little match, technically sound. You get in, you get out. This was great. I mean, you know, I thought it was the perfect length. I, you know, I, I thought uh, uh, Thurston's facial expressions were great. You know, and then you had the 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 the, uh, the fighting spirit spot from Freddie, which popped me off the couch. I'm like, yeah, let's go, get into it. You know, this is a great match. I was fired right. up about this. And I had one of our favorite things too, where the crowd doesn't really care all that much at the beginning. They're like, yeah, all right, you know, polite claps for Freddie, and then just kind of like, yeah, Brandon, okay, we don't really know who you are. And then little by little, you can hear the crowd kind of just like, all right, all right, we're getting into this. These guys are good. And at the end, they're fucking molten. You know what I mean? And Josh Briggs is on commentary, yeah. and he's just screaming. He can't, you know, he's beside himself too. Like I love when they when guys just grab a crowd and just say, no, you, you're going to start fucking cheering for us because we're going to make this that good. And and that was cool to see the kind of crowd little by little build into it, build into it, build into it, and then just go. And it was the opener too, which was a great opener. Yeah, and they show. want them over. They want them over. And, and, and if I'm Drew, I'm like, listen, Brandon, you got to make this drive again. They got to book yeah. it again. How oh, do you yeah, not absolutely. I mean, you know, you got, you got to, I know, understand it. You know, he doesn't live around the corner. I understand that. But, but geez. And, you know, the show opened actually with an in-ring angle, the dynasty, uh, the same dynasty you see in MLW, MJF, Richard Holiday. I don't think Holiday's ever been there before. Same with Hammerstone. And then uh, Dickinson comes out. And, of course, uh, and beyond, he's aligned uh, with uh, with uh, EYFBO, uh, known as LAX and TNA. So that set up the main event. So you have that TV-style stuff, but it's just not, like you said, it's not overdone, and it's all done in the ring. It's all done. Yeah, I, I just, like, that's that's one of my pet peeves is, like, don't go to the back. Like, just have everything just go to the stage, you know, go into the ring, grab a fucking microphone and talk. Like I, I, it just, I, it annoys me when stuff is backstage. I hate it. 
Yeah, and then you uh, they use the Butcher and the Blade this week, which is another you know that that new t- tag team with Pepper Parks and your guy. Oh my God, I love uh, Andy Williams. Williams. <laughs> and uh, the guy just looks like a million bucks. God, and Pepper Parks too. Like even though it's Pepper Parks, like he he wears that you know the bag over his head, and you're like ah, oh. and then he takes it off, and you're like ah, oh, yeah, it's just like Pepper Parks, but like still, I'm excited. Uh, like, it go. Yeah, it I mean, looks great. It's just I wish it wasn't Pepper Parks. Like no, nothing directly against him, but it's just kind of like you know what I mean. Like he's got that bag, and they got the cool music, and and Andy Williams comes out, and he just looks like a he's gonna rip you apart and and yeah. pepper's got the bag on it and then like then he takes it off and you're just like ah oh, yeah it's just like kind of an indie dude you know what i mean but like it's fine it works it works for them pretty well and i've got my minor gripes i mean they brought in aussie open week one and aussie open uh lost because that was the wednesday before wrestlemania weekend so they had them for the first two weeks because they had them because aussie open was in town for the whole week so they brought him in week one and they lost and then aussie open won week two i would have reversed that why not have aussie open win week one and then put somebody over on the way out of the territory week two. You understand what I'm saying there? Yeah, it's like, sure. so I have minor booking gripes and things like that. Um, but, you know, that that's neither here nor there. The Beaver Boys are a big push act there. Um, you know, it's, it's beyond wrestling in a television format. And, I mean, if you're a Beyond fan, there's no reason not to watch it. If you're not a Beyond fan, I can tell you as someone, this is why I opened up the segment this way. I am not a big Beyond fan at all. But I have enjoyed the TV show to the point where I make it a point to turn it on every week if I'm home. So from that perspective, it's worth a look because it's something different. And I'm sure there's going to be copycats now based on how this goes. Uh, some will work, some will not. But uh, you know, I know they were on Twitter today trying to drum up interest in it. They're not happy with the number of people that are watching. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it, I could say this, it's well done. I can say that with confidence. I, I it's well done. I can recommend it to our listeners. Um, you know, I don't think you'll waste your time with it if you turn it on. And then it's just going to come down to whether you enjoy the tone of the promotion and you like the matches. Uh, real quickly, we are we are going to do an overrun for the show. So uh, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling, voices of wrestling.com slash patreon because we still have a, two, a few topics uh, to get to and we're running out of time here. But I did want to mention uh, real quickly, uh, independentwrestling.tv. We haven't talked a lot about it on this show, but uh, I was digging in a little bit uh, going back and watching some of the stuff from WrestleMania Weekend, watching Chikara, going back and watching some of the Black Label Pro show, and, like a bunch of stuff. And I have to say, like, you know, we talk about, you know, pressing streaming services a lot on on the show. I got to give two thumbs up to independent wrestling TV. I haven't really dove in that much into it until like a few weeks ago, but it, like it's easy to find everything. The, the the streaming quality is very good. I have not gotten much buffering at all. It's super logical. Everything that kind of makes sense where it needs to be. The search function kind of work. Like everything's kind of worked pretty well for it. So, so I got to give a thumbs up to it. I, I was shocked at how well it works uh, so far. What's kind of been your, your, your feedback, uh, you know, kind of using it a little bit. It's improved dramatically. Um, I've been using it pretty much from day one. I watched a lot of the WrestleMania. We just talked about the Chikara show. You know, I watched it on there. I watched a couple. I watched the uh, Family Reunion show um, on there, and obviously, I've been watching um, Uncharted Territory. It's it, it works very well now, and I, I couldn't say that a few months ago, and I couldn't say it in the early days, but it is. Uh, yeah, it it works like a ch- I haven't had any issues with it whatsoever. Not the live stream. And occasionally I'll check in on some of the other live shows too. If I happen to be home and it's Saturday night and like St. Louis Anarchy's running or something, I'll check in on it, catch a couple matches. And uh, I've never had an issue with the live stream. And I and and in recent weeks I haven't had any issues with the video on demand. That's good. good. Yeah, yeah. This first time I've ever really had a chance. I like too. Like if you're watching uh, and something goes live, it tells you. 
Like I, I forget what I was. I was watching some show, and I think one of the one of the Beyond shows went live, and it was like, "Hey, you know, we have a live show coming on right now." And I was like, "Yeah, that's kind of cool." Like I'm I'm kind of in the midst of the Shakara show right now, so I, I don't really want to watch. But I but I like the idea of like, "Hey, oh shit, cool, you're live, cool. I'll watch it right now." Then <laughs> you know, I, I I like that. It's really that's something that like almost everybody should try to steal. There's that, a nice schedule that tells you with the live stuff that's coming up and everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it's it, the, the layout has improved tremendously too from from the early days i know they've been tweaking it and constantly tweaking it but the layout has improved and and, and i think the performance has improved too uh on the site overall well it's good to see that yeah because i i had a good time kind of really easily going through and, and and watching some of the wrestlemania weekend stuff um and going through the on-demand stuff so that's good that's good and uh we mentioned at the top of the show uh promo code uncharted as well as what they have going on right now if you want to get 20 days for free this is not an endorsement they didn't pay us or whatever uh i just you know i, I think it's pretty cool to check out for 20 days and see what you think because uh you know, we support it despite the fact that we want independent wrestling to die and we want all these wrestling companies to die. We also want them to do well and make money. So it's weird. It's weird. We're very conflicted, Joe, in this. But anyway, uh, that is it for this episode of the flagship. As we said, we are going to go to the overrun uh, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling is we're going to be able to find that voice of wrestling.com slash Patreon as well. There we'll talk about impact. Uh, the Crockett Cup and a few other things as well, but we are out of time here. So anyway, uh, follow us on Twitter at Voices Wrestling, the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe to that. As we said, uh, Brandon and Thurston will be have you know definitely have a WrestleNomics Radio coming up pretty soon. Uh, Everything Elite was a show you talked about a little bit earlier. A lot of other good stuff on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network too. So make sure you subscribe to that. Uh, and also VoiceWrestling.com. Make sure you go there and read our reviews, read our columns, and all that other good stuff. But anyway, we are off to Patreon. Patreon.com/slash Voice of Wrestling. VoiceWrestling.com/slash Patreon. We will talk to you there.